All right, my man. I just asked you, um, how's the roster looking these days? And you said you, you could take it from there. Well, I, I mean, I, I started with with Austin because I, I mentioned that I, I see on your page that people uh, are putting a lot of doubt towards his name. And there was one comment that really got me. There was this guy who called him a local meat superstar. And I, I don't know, like the same guy commented on uh, Perk's post that you reposted today. And he's like, he's trying to say like, oh, if you don't think that the uh, the meat environment has an impact, you're blind or something like that. It's just like, well, of course it does. But like, if you if you train to standard and you do things properly, like uh, we're, we're going to be prepared. I just, I don't know yeah. that, but it's the same guy every single time. I don't want, I don't remember his username, but is the same guy every single time. And I don't know what this, I don't know what this kid's on where he just like does not believe in well, perk. It, but, it might not even be a perk thing. It might be, um, you could just have a, a straight up, we're at a point with powerlifting. We're starting to get people who are fans of certain lifters. And if you're a fan of either, whether it be Callie, Taylor or whatever, and Perk now has arrived in a major way. And uh, he's got his chest out and he's making bold claims as you as you would if you're totaling 825, right? And if it's if this dude feels threatened or for one of his favorite lifters, now all of a sudden, this is where we're at with the sport where previously, um, you know, we just wouldn't have quote unquote fans like that. So I don't know if he like hates Perk or Perk's going at one of his major lifters. I don't know. But yeah. this is what fans do in sports, right? They they they're like, no, nah, your team's trash. Your quarterback's not gonna make it in the Super Bowl or whatever the hell, right? But, but I mean, I don't know. In Perk's defense, um, and we'll we'll get to the the rest of the roster in a second. But in Perk's defense, uh, you know, he has been to an international competition in the IPF. He won he won collegiate worlds, um, you know. So he's done that whole travel thing. Like he just hasn't had the opportunity to go back yet. But you know, we'll see what happens in the future. I mean, I, I was talking to Nick about it and he was essentially like, like Nick Manders on his podcast. And he was saying, look at if perk hits like right now, if he's eight twenty five, and if he's eight forty or whatever the heck in USCPL Nats in September, even if his, if his total has got to come down quite a bit, you know, it's got to come down quite a freaking bit um, for him to like, he's got to extremely underperform at worlds to, if he goes to worlds, if he goes that route, we'll go that. We'll talk about that in a sec, but um, so I mean, in terms of affording himself wiggle room, who do you think is still, if you got perk at eight, eight forty, and I know in that, in that post I did today, you were like, he's hitting eight forty, like you're super duper confident. Um, who do you think is the number one threat for perk? Do you think it's still Taylor? If Taylor's or if perk is eight forty, do you think Callie can be, what do you think? So, I mean, first of all, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect Taylor because obviously he's, you know, he's, he's done it time and time again. He's been the the standard that everyone in that class has been chasing, but, and I'm not going to go the full Nick Manders route and say that he's, he's washed, but uh, I do think that he's been on a little bit of a downward trend. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries and I can't help but think that with this meet schedule that he's had to be a part of in recent years between going to you know, the national championships to Sheffield to worlds and back again. It's, it's just a lot of competitions. And I know Taylor trains very, very hard. He's got a very intense training style and I can't help but think that that doesn't really lend itself to the way that Taylor has typically trained. Right. So I feel like if, if 
that sort of a trend continues and Taylor doesn't get some time to actually like, you know, spend some time healing up maybe away from the gym a little bit. Like he, you know how he would always like take some time off in between competitions. I mm-hmm. feel like that was one of the the reasons he was able to push himself so hard is because, you know, he had time away from hard training for a while. Um, so I, I don't know, like to me, I think Callie's probably the biggest threat because to me, you always bet on the deadlifter. You know, as long as they can go six for six and they have a big pool, there's, you know, there's a chance they're going to get to answer. And I love Perk, but he's not necessarily the deadlifter. He's got a great deadlift, but he's not the deadlifter, you know? Um, so probably him. Um, I'm not sure what, what Tim's plans are either, but I would never count him out either. Um, so, but yeah, definitely, definitely Cali is the person that I'm, I'm watching because he had a, you know, meteoric rise from when he won junior worlds. It is like, I, Tim doesn't get mentioned enough. I didn't even mention him when I said it in there, but he should, and I should, because he also ended up ahead of Taylor. Obviously, Taylor was pulling for the win, and this is what can happen at the end of the day, right? But Tim did phenomenally, and that couldn't have gone so many different ways on Tim. Cutting down like that? You know, when you cut down to a weight class, he coming down from an 83, and his first 74-kilo appearance wasn't a massive total. Wasn't anything you guys would be worried about. And, you know, he made big improvements off of that. It depends on how we can level off. On the same podcast, Nick was kind of hypothesizing that perhaps he's seen where he's going to be at at 74. And he's probably not going to get improvements. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, it's it's hard to say, man. I mean, I don't know how tall Tim is. But from everything that I've seen, he looks pretty lean um, to be a 74. Now, that said... It, he performed really well and he managed to set a squat world record. Like despite the fact that that's the lift that happens the closest to the weigh in time. So, you know, he must've made weight pretty handily and been able to, to handle that. I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's impossible. Um, I don't think it's impossible to see improvement there. I, I, I feel like you have to be a lot more on it when it comes to your diet, when you're, you know, essentially a taller lifter in, in a weight class, um, that just naturally has to be a little bit leaner in order to stay there. But as long as he does that, yeah, like I could totally see improvements. I know plenty of plenty of lifters who have gone down a weight class and managed to build strength in that class for a while. Um, I'm not saying he'll probably end up there forever just because let's face it, weight classes are basically high classes in disguise. But, you know, in the short term, I could definitely consider him a threat to, to basically to be having this conversation and not have the person who has the current squat world record in the conversation as a threat like that would be foolish so yeah now all that being said do which way we swing in here because i saw austin say you know online all right you know what uscpl they got some bags over here and then um i responded and said man it would be like (laughs) that that would be a shocking turn of events and if we take off the table with all the talk we had with Callie, um, all the talk we had with Atwood and Tim, Tim's not a big talker, so there's no talk with him, but that's probably why to an extent people aren't mentioning his name as much because Tim is not going to throw his name out there and join the fray, but that's fine. Not everybody's going to be, you know, a talker, but if we took those off it, as a fan, it would be disappointing to not see these clashes with all of this. And we've been waiting for him and Atwood They've been circling the wagons for a little while here. Let's see this clash happen. Um, so, but then when I mentioned that, 
Perk said, you know what? I could change my mind right back to IPF. Don't uh, don't hold me to anything I just said. Right. What is your vibe on it? So uh, at the end of the day, I am the coach in this case, right? Like the person who is in the driver's seat as far as what he wants to do is Perk. Um, we've had conversations though, and the way that the way that we're taking this is just in stride, right? Perk has never won USAPL nationals before. Um, so that is the goal currently, and that is what we are focused on. And when he gets done, then he gets to take the time to actually think about it. And I, I think, you know, you use a lot of sports metaphors on here all the time, Ryan. I, I think a lot of athletes are single-minded when it comes to their goals. And I think for Perk, I think that is the best thing that he can do for himself right now is not get too ahead. But as far as the door being open, it absolutely is, particularly when people keep talking crap, you know, like it's just simply, simply put, I, I, from my, from my perspective as his, as his coach, I think that there's benefits to both. Um, from what I've been told, uh, the USAPL pro series is expanding the prize money, which I think is what Perk was referring to. So, you know, there is a chance that he, he stays over here and without ever having to, to travel, he has the potential to make a lot of money, which let's face it is a very enticing thing. But then there's also the, the IPF cycle this year, as far as, you know, winning worlds, going to Sheffield, and then having the potential to go to the world games now that half of it is raw. So he could run the full gauntlet if he went. Mm. Um, so my vibe is this. I, I know I know Perk, and he's a competitive guy. He, he, wants, to, he wants to go where he feels he's going to be challenged. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely some, some strong people in the 75 kilo class in, in USA powerlifting. Um, Joe Borenstein, for example, we definitely have our eye on him. Like I said, you always, you always keep an eye on the deadlifter because he, he could pull something out of his, his back pocket, like nothing, you know, and there, and there's all the way down. There's, there's a bunch of other really strong guys that could just come out of nowhere. But that said, um, I think with perk potentially having, you know, the greatest total of all time at that, at that weight, um, I think it would be sad to never see him go over there and do that internationally, just because, you know, he can, if, if we're talking about like, leaving your mark on the sport and doing the the best that you can for yourself. Um, I, again, I know perk and I don't think he'll be satisfied unless he actually does, you know, everything that he can to cement himself as one of the best to ever do it. In terms of collecting a bag, the world record for 74 is 790.5. And um, the potential of perk if we're talking 840 in September, and by the time he ends up at Sheffield, I don't know if that world record will be pushed. I mean, it depends how things shake up. But even if Perk and all the fellas at the next Worlds, you know, this conceivably, by the time he gets to Sheffield, he could really take a world record for a run. And, and the bag could be huge. If he was to, potentially, if he won Worlds, and if you got that kind of gap between your top end and the world record, Sheffield is on the table of winning all of Sheffield in terms of like the ultimate bag and the ultimate powerlifting, you know, climax afterwards. Um, and then you got World Games the year after that. So yeah, it would be enticing. But as a sport, so that's good as an athlete. But as a sports fan, damn man, you you got. Taylor Atwood, who forever was the king, not just the king period in your weight class, but the king period in powerlifting. Like he had 
every single every single formula was his as well as the world record as well as the world record in the untested he had everything he had the world record and tested world record untested every single formula you want to use he had all of those pound for pound there there as well as the world titles in terms of like like at what degree of you know uh, standard worlds lifts like ipf worlds it's not you're not going to get more strict maybe too strict at times so then it, it was like there was no debate like this was this was taylor atwood's era for perk i talked about this with perk when he was on I'm like perk for you to for your two eras to be overlapping right now it's going to be brief there's like a 10-year gap between these gentlemen you this is like being a boxer in muhammad ali's era and be like nah i don't think i'll fight ali it's like no you should you should in 10 years you will like to have you know you don't want to miss this opportunity i gotta think but is this like a conversation that you think perk thinks about because if, if this comes and goes and he never faces taylor who's older he's got some injuries and maybe Taylor's like, I'll have a year, another two year run. And then I don't know. What do you think? I mean, if I'm being honest, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But I think, again, knowing knowing Perk, especially if I bring that up to him, he'll he'll probably be like, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, and I mean, yeah, again, I, like I said, I'll, I'll never I'll never completely write Taylor off. But I think. I think until his his training style changes, I I think that I think we win that every time. So I, I don't know, uh, and you know, again, that's not to talk talk crap on Taylor. It's just it's what I've seen. He's he just he keeps getting injured. So I don't know. I I I think that I think it would mean more to Austin if Taylor were at full power. You know. Um, and I'm not saying that Austin's like avoiding it or anything like that, but I, I think until Taylor can show like, oh, I'm back, come get me. I don't know that Austin's going to prioritize that, you know? Sort of. It's tough though, because when Taylor has his I'm back moment, they're already in that year cycle that you had mm -hmm. mentioned where um, let's see, he has that moment at PA Nats. If Austin's not there, then it'll be like, well, I guess I'll see you next year because my next one is Worlds and then my next one after that might be Sheffield. And then it's like, by the time Perk gets them, it'll be like, well, maybe I'm done, you know, and I'm calling quits. I'm finishing on a high or maybe I'm who knows. Like, it's one of those, um, I don't know. I, if, if, if it was me, only me, if I was like a manager, you're a coach, I'm a manager, it would be like, get it while the getting's still good because this is going to turn into Jesus Oliveras versus Ray Williams and it's just not going to happen, right? Or it'll just be too long. There's too much of a gap between them. Um, how do you, what do you feel? You've been in situations about with previously with like athletes who are getting bold, talking on social media, talking, talking, talking crap, as you would say, I would say talking shit. But um do you feel like caught up in the middle? I remember when I, I remember like years ago talking to you about this on the podcast. It was, this is like back in the Ricky Cho days when we weren't used to it that we, Ricky Cho might've been the first. Actually, holy shit, it was Taylor again. I didn't even think about that till I just said it. But um, we, and you were like, man, it is what it is. I am not my athlete. My job is the coach. I'm not trying to get in the middle of that. I'm just trying to do my job, whatever. I think four years later, from the show years, we are far more comfortable with all of this. We're far more used to it. It's not a, it's not a one-off type of deal. It's like so many people do it nowadays. 
Um, I'm obviously you've seen with Russ Petrie, the whole nine, how are you feeling about it now? Do you feel like now more comfortable with it? Or are you not comfortable with it, but you're like, it doesn't rally you at all. Did it used to back then? Because you were coach of probably the first true villain of powerlifting. You know, if I'm being honest, I think that I don't know. I don't know that I would put Ricky's brand of talking shit, as you say. Uh, I, I don't know that I would put that on the same level as what I'm seeing today, because I, I know for a fact that a lot of Ricky's stuff was, you know, it was a business move. It was it was to to put himself in a better position in the industry. Um, and I mean, that's that's all I'll say, because, uh, you know, we we really don't talk much anymore. Um, I don't really know the whole backstory on it, if I'm being honest. That said, uh, I, as a coach, am certainly a little bit more used to it. Um, and I like to think that most of us coaches out there that are coaching these high-level athletes kind of have that friendly banter back and forth behind the scenes anyway. So I don't think that it's too bad. Um, and I haven't really seen anything particularly heinous. And that said, like, I'm going to go to bat for my athlete if people are saying dumb stuff. Like, I'm, I'm going to do that because... I think that's what a good coach should do. I think there's a difference between talking shit and, and going to bat for your athlete. It's it's just like, you know, like, again, if we're using sports metaphors here, it's, you know, if somebody comes to you during a press conference and says, you know, your, your athlete's not going to do well at this next level. Of course, of course you're going to be like, yeah, he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're far more like, we're, you're right. I think the Ricky thing was definitely different back in the day, but do you feel is this kind of new now? Do you think us all as a community are a little more different with it? Like we are definitely, you know, we, we talked about the media since back then, Holy smokes is so much has changed in the media personalities and what we're comfortable with. Do you think your comfort, do you think we've changed as a community and do you think your comfort level has changed with it? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think we've, I mean, obviously since, you know, the the last time that I was on this podcast, which has been a while, um, even even since uh, Worlds, when I was sitting next to you in Sweden, um, you know the community has really changed a, a, a decent bit. There's there's been lots of lots of new rising talent that have come out of nowhere. Um, the the reach of powerlifting has really expanded a lot in the world, and you have new personalities. You have people doing things that you know a few years ago, like when when I got, I should say back into the sport, not, not into it or, uh, originally, but back into the sport in, in 2014, um, thinking back then and just thinking about what people are doing now, if you told me that I'd be like, all of these people have to be on drugs, right? Like they have to just be cheating the tests. Um, so I think in terms of like the, the, the personality that comes out in the sport. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely, definitely evolved and something that is probably going to be part of the sport going forward. You know, again, when people are after a singular goal, there's, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a little, little shit talking. There's gonna be a little bit of putting your pride on the line. There's going to be a lot of that stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I think, I, I think it was, uh, Nick Manders who was talking about this. I, I compare powerlifting a lot to the esports community. Um, it's very, it's very much a community driven sport much like any other like video game that you might see people playing professionally. And I think that that, that only serves to get the community more involved, maybe not necessarily in the most positive way, but I think when, when people see like, you know, your, your back and forth between P 
Petrie and Russ, it gets people talking, you know, and it gets, mm-hmm. it gets, it gets clicks. It gets more exposure to the sport. Um, and I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, I, I think we're all still, still the same community of like your LS McLean's cheering Lane Norton on back in the day. That that was one of the first impressions that I had of like really high level powerlifting was LS cheering Lane on at the Arnold when he went out to squat 300 kilos, despite the fact that, you know, he was trying to beat him. I still think we have a lot of that. I still think we have the positivity for our fellow powerlifter, but we've definitely evolved to being a place where within our community, it's a little bit more acceptable to, to, you know, get, be, be a little, be a little prideful, be like, yeah, I, I can be, yeah. Here's a, here's the thing. So perk right now is obviously far spicier than he was before. I've, I've noticed like he's definitely got his chest out, but I think he should. He just hit 825, had a phenomenal performance. And I've already said this, but like if I was him, I would be the same way. And Taylor was the same way when he just a couple of years ago, like this was Taylor, right? It's it's okay to if you don't believe who else is going to, and then some people will say, and I get it and I respect it, you have to first, you have to first win, or you have to first do this, that, and the other. Not you. But I can tell you as like, they, I, I keep using like boxing and MMA as my reference points, but those are my sports. When you have a contender on the rise, who's talking shit coming at the champ, he gets a lot of attention and sometimes they make it and sometimes they don't. But if you just wait until after you win the title, it's nowhere near as exciting. But when you have a contender, sometimes you feel it and you're like, oh my God, there's something about this guy or girl. There's some heat here. You know, it's uh, when Conor McGregor came to the UFC, he was talking like he already won the title. And then as he's every single match, people like he's going to get exposed anytime now. And he just didn't right up until he blew Aldo out in 13 seconds. It happens. So that's why I'm like, hey, I get it when some people say, if you talk before you've won, um, you know, and, and people that I respect, like Penn has been on here saying, you know, that he doesn't respect certain things like that. And I'm like, Penna, I certain things we disagree on. I don't mind that. And, um, and certainly if somebody, if somebody's a 74, 75, but he weighed under 74 and hits an 825, my God, man, you put your chest out, start talking. Uh, you know, this, this is, it's, it, it is, it's also, it's just sports. Nobody's getting too far beyond it. So I myself am not, I'm, I'm, it more gets me more hyped up. If anything, that's where it's kind of like, damn it. If this doesn't happen, I'm like, well. It's not as satisfying when it's you're over here, I'm over there, and we never meet face to face. There's nothing quite like seeing two people on the same platform or you double into that warm up room when it's a big showdown and the cameras are out videoing the warm up room and there the two guys are finally. And you're like, oh, wow, or it's about to happen. There's nothing like that than comparing or, or we compare meets from across the world. It's like, that's not satisfying. Yeah. But, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I think levels to that. I, I don't know. I, I again, I, I think that our focus right now is for Perk to come out and make a statement at nationals. Obviously, it, it, I think at this point we can comfortably say it's his meat to lose, you know? Um, right. But if he comes out and does what I think he can, which I think, I think 840 should be a really solid day. That'll go past Taylor's best total that happened at USAPL nationals. Um, you know, that will be the the best performance in 75 or below tested or untested. I'm hoping we can squat 700. That would be really cool. Obviously, it's not needed to do that, but that'd be another great milestone. Oh, yeah. um, 
you know, I, if, I think if Perk can do all that, I, I, I think the sky's the limit with what's next for him. He's, uh, I mean, the other thing too is, is obviously you mentioned him, you know, being below 74 when he, when he weighed in, like he's, he could still add some mass, you know, like, and I, uh, now that we know that Russ isn't doing USAPL nationals, like he and I already talked about this. It's just like, let's try to out total all the, all the guys that are at 83. Let's just do it. Let's try to do it. So we'll see. That's that, a hell of a st- That'd be crazy. That'd be a hell of a statement. Well, first off, um, when you say add mass, do you mean he like is he going to still weigh in under seventy four? I mean, again, the the weigh in at his last meet being below seventy four was just kind of coincidence. It wasn't necessarily on purpose. Um, at the end of the day, I want Perk to focus more on what's going to give him the best performance. And if he happens to weigh in heavier than seventy four, then you know, so be it. I, oh, I would. Joe, no, wait, stop. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let, let me, let me pitch to you then. Let me pitch to you. Historically speaking, in the rest of the world, want to see him beat Taylor Atwood's world record and be like, I just took your world record. If you weigh in over 74, I mean, yeah, for sure. But then people will be like, you had to weigh in over 74. Like you couldn't make weight. Not for that record, not for the historical lineage, the passing of the torch. I'm now the king. Even if like, you know what I mean? Where if you say like, well, if I weighed in over, it helps my performance. It helps my, it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. If, if Taylor missed weight last three times, who knows? Maybe it might've been a little easier if he didn't have to cut or whatever. I, I think historically speaking, I think the rest of the powerlifting world are going to look at it and be like, you weigh in under 74 when you didn't have to. And you do that. Everyone knows why you did it. And you are the new King. But if you don't, you have the opportunity and you, we in heavier than 74, there will be that. I'm telling you, some people will be like, hmm. I mean, I, I, people are people are gonna scrutinize it regardless, though. You know, like they're they're gonna be like, there'll oh, be well, more it people. It wasn't IPF me, you know. Like how to me, to me, I think if we can beat Taylor's best dot score, which we should, and I think if we can take his total record, which we should. I think that's not at seventy four. You won't. You won't. You won't be though. You can't say you take his total record, but you can beat all of his. If you beat his, um, all the formula scores, like Taylor had all the formula scores. That's why. That's why you got to weigh under seventy four to take that record. So here, here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if we if we take that record and we beat all the formulas at nationals, we've done our job, right? And then I think when Perk decides to go into the IPF, I think then that's more meaningful. You know, because at that point, there's no room for anybody to talk because regard, let's, let's say he, let's say he weighs in at 74 at USAPL Nats and he, he does that. People are gonna be like, oh, it was a USAPL meet. It wasn't the IPF, you know, well, people, there'll, there'll people are going to talk crap though. regardless, but you don't want to put it this way. There'll always be something, even if you win IPF worlds, you beat at what face to face or head to head or whatever, but you do want it. You can remove the naysayers more and more with more, the more things you do. I think that will remove a huge chunk of naysayers. I, I think it'd be significant if you do, if you do it, you're right. There'll always be naysayers no matter what, but you don't want to let that be like, look at if unless I can convince hundred percent of the people, I'm not going to do this, but you end of the day, whatever, if you take all the formula scores and you end up in the 74s and take that world record, it's just it's just tough because it's so close, but two net two point two pounds is still two point two pounds, and it's not quite the same. Um, it's like flirting with history. You know what I mean? It's flirting with history. 
it's like a it's like you have the 100 meter dash that is held for years and it's always been the 100 meter dash and some of the greatest sprinters of all time are 100 meter dash and you do the 95 meter dash the pace was faster than 100 meter and everyone would be like look if you ran those extra five meters your pace would have been you would have anyways but you didn't you stopped at 95 it's like shit why didn't you just do 100 you could have everyone knows you could have it's like yeah but i but the, the race i was doing was 95 it's like, yeah, but historically speaking, it's all 74. The greatest lifter of all time was 74. You know what I mean? That's where people will be like, oh, I'll be flirting. It's like flirting with it. But that's whatever. It's just my opinion. There is no right and wrong in this. Um, end of the day, it'd be a lot of cool milestones. Like if he out totaled all the 83s, that's huge. Um, yeah. And Russ hasn't officially said this for anyone listening, but you're mentioning it. You could, you could go ahead and say why you think Russ isn't doing it. I mean, he's no longer on the roster. That's I think that's conf right. confirmation enough, you know? Right. Um, I don't know the details, and obviously, like, Russ hasn't announced anything, so I don't want to speak for him. I, you know, I, I have no idea, but, I mean, I, I feel like that's all but a confirmation, you know? Like, why would why would you take yourself off the roster? It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know. The Again, that, that does kind of does kind of suck, because I think, uh, unlike unlike Perk, with the exception of Joe Bornstein, I think I think Russ has a lot of people that are like right on his tail in that weight class. One of two of my guys, actually, Angelo Fortino and Chris Perez, they're both really strong. You know, I'm not necessarily going to be like, oh, we could for sure beat Russ, but it, it does kind of suck to like think, you know, maybe they could potentially beat his total. And then he's not there for that. Like, that's just that's not fun. Um, So. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I would assume he's. I would assume he's going back though. Like, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be back in the IPF if you're removing yourself from the the Nationals roster. I don't know what. I don't know what that process is like exactly. As far as because as far as I know, when he went back to the USAPL, he retired from a, a WADA standpoint. Um, so I I don't know what that process is like for being reinserted. Uh, but I'm I'm assuming the reason he's not on the roster is because of that. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all that we have in terms of official. Yeah. We got to we'll wait for Russ in terms of making official statements, what's going on, why, et cetera. But a lot of people already have noticed that and drawn attention and, and it is what it is. It's a glaring omission. It's, it does open up the 82.5s though. Mm -hmm. For sure. It does not make that interesting. What do you think about Jamar? Is he going 82.5? So, I again, I don't want to speak for I don't want to speak for Marcellus because obviously Jamar's his guy. But from what I understand, the whole reason he wanted to go eighty two and a half was to go against Russ. So, I mean, I would assume he's he's committed to it at this point. So he's probably going to be be the case. And in, in fact, I would say he's probably the guy right now, just because of how insane his squad is. Um, I think you know, as long as he's he recomps well like he did at his last competition, I think he'll be very very difficult to beat. Um, being able to come in and squat 800 pounds, which on the top end, I think would probably be like a hundred pounds over the next best squatter in the class. Like, I mean, that's, that's something, you know, um, obviously Angelo's a, a great deadlifter. So, you know, you can never, never write off the deadlifter, like I said before, and his bench is actually moving for once, which is solid. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Jamar's the guy right now. Um, for sure, especially with the absence of Russ, I think he's he's the the one, and I, I definitely think I think him, I think Angelo, I think Chris Perez, um, honestly, like any any of the eighty two kilo guys who 
could end up in prime time this year. I think they have a chance at beating Russ's total for sure. Um, it just depends on how the how the chips fall. But my as far as like the current front runner, I'm looking at Jamar and I'm I'm watching him very closely. And I mean, yeah, he did a thirty two point five, which is monstrous, right? Um, he he moved. Did he not move past Brett Gibbs? What was Brett's? Mm, I want to say. Oh, no, Brett did eight, 10 times body weight, but Brett didn't. What did Brett weigh in? Maybe they're the same. Frank, this is off the top of my head, but I I, I want to say. I mean, I can I can check real quick if you want me to look at open powerlifting. We can cheat. Let's cheat. Yeah. But um, I want to say, but while you're pulling it up, it'll be Russ. Obviously, Delaney did 835 at Sheffield, which moved him into second. And then it's either Jamar or Brett. And off the top of my head, I know Brett did 10 times body weight. And at the time, he was the heaviest 10 times body weight total in 2018 Calgary Worlds. And I'm wondering if he did 830. It was 830.5. Ah, wow. So Jamar's right there, man. Third of all time. The biggest thing will be when I had him on the podcast, he was somewhat humming and hawing whether or not he wanted to go um, a weight class up or if he wanted like a 90 kilo, or if he wanted to do 82.5. Cause I don't think it's an easy cut for him and no. it's not going to get easier. And he's a stocky young man. And this is why obviously he's built the squat. So he's got an 800 pound squat at 82.5. Um, and it's going to get harder and harder for him to make 82.5. I'm wondering where his squat's going to be, but just yeah. how much that's the big intangible on him. Another year. Cause it's almost a year since he competed at 82.5 last time. That that cut is not going to be friendly. And he's been pumping weights ever since. And he's just putting on more muscle mass and a natural weight, but a natural pace. But still a year, you're going to get more muscular. We'll see where he ends up. It, it could be, I don't know when the last time you could change your weight is. But if he's like, I'm, it's going to greatly impact me. I would have risked it to go head to head with Russ, but there's a possibility. He's like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to kill myself and possibly my performance if Russ isn't there either. He might be like, I'm going to go 90 and just, that's the only thing that's got me. I'm not yeah. sure about. So I knowing, cause Marcellus and I, along with uh, a lot of the other coaches in USAPL talk on a daily basis and knowing what I know from Marcellus, I, I know they've got Jamar's nutrition dialed in. So, mm. you know, I, 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 when Marcellus says something about one of his athletes, I fully believe him. He, he has never misled me once. Um, so if, if he says he can make that cut, he'll make that cut. Um, as far as, as what he's doing, I, I again, I, I think at this point, now that Russ is off the roster, I think I, I would imagine Jamar would have made that change if, if he was, you know, because we have our consideration for prime time coming up. You know, so 80, 82 and 90 are on different days. So, mm. you know, there's going to be, there's, he, he's, he's kind of got to decide relatively soon. Um, so I, I would imagine, I would imagine that he's probably sticking with 82 uh, as much as I would, I would love to see uh, from a, a fan standpoint, I would love to see him and Petrie duke it out. That'd be fantastic. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah. Sort of like uh, how, you know, Ashton and Bob go, go head to head. Like that's always fun. Um, I would just as an aside, I, I have no idea how Marcellus does that. It's just, 
I, I, I don't know how you handle, handle both of those guys at the same time. That's, that's such a hard task. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know as a, as a best guess, I would say Jamar is probably going to stay. Um, so you have the emergence of Chris Perez, who's, who just did phenomenally in his last competition. Tell me about Chris. Cause he, he kind of, his improvement's been fantastic. Um, so, I mean, Chris is, Chris is a superstar. Uh, he's, he's obviously, he's a young kid. He's, you know, still a junior. Um, he, so to be a hundred percent like transparent with you, I've only had him for one meat cycle. You know, we've only, only worked together that long. Um, he came to me, he was having some problems with his bench. Um, just like had, had pressed 200 keys at one point and then just could not equal that. Um, so we made some changes there. We made some really minor tweaks, minor, minor tweaks to his, his formula for squat and for deadlift. But to be honest, he kind of already had that nailed down. It was just a matter of nailing the bench press on the day. Um, so yeah, he won, we had a special junior primetime session at USAPL nationals last year and the winner of that got a pro card. So he, he won that, um, before he was working with me and, uh, he's, he's a hard worker, man. He's, he's, he's very interesting because he's kind of famous for having some of the, the worst nutrition amongst a lot of the high level lifters. Um, so he and I, like we recently were having a chat about his nutrition and I, I had to like school him on just how much protein he should be getting because he, he wasn't, he was getting, I think somewhere between like 120 and 150 grams as a, oh, damn. yeah. As a man who walks around at like, you know, 187 it's just like come on dude um so and ironically i think in the last like week or so that he's been doing that that's helped him despite the fact that he's on vacation right now like he had the end of his training block uh today and he is on vacation right now had some really bad recovery and still came in and did exactly what i was hoping he would do at the end of the the training cycle which is is great um so yeah i think i think he's gonna do really really well at nationals um speaking of the whole handling two athletes in the same weight class i'm actually not going to be handling him i'm handing him off to matt gary that's something that he and i talked about ahead of time um, fuck me the- man you you ch- okay hang on a second first off um yeah i don't think coaches should handle two guys going head to head when it's close i've been vocal about that before that's one thing that for myself i i, I don't think it should be done because i can't see how you could do it um but it is what it is and, and I know Matt Gary feels the same way, but for, so you're going to handle Angelo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for you to have found your opposition, as it were, that you have to go head to head with for a national title and you chose Matt Gary, my friend, you're brave. You're ready. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> cause you, it, Chris can't be like, you found me a dud so that you could win this showdown. It's like, no, I got your Matt fucking Gary. Actually, Chris, Chris did that himself. He, he okay well okay you're okay he suggested with it, it yeah he suggested it um but to be clear uh i did beat matt and Susie at last year's nationals oh, when it, okay, when, it, okay. when angelo when angelo uh hit that pool against so, gruden yeah against gruden right so right. done it before yeah no all, all respect be... to matt he's the goat he's the goat of course of course and Susie is Susie's a goat as well yeah. But um, yeah, it's always those showdowns are always good, and especially when it comes down to that close down to the wire. Now you start seeing the game day handling start opening up a little bit. I don't gotta tell you, man. That's the name of your brand. Yeah, is it? Well, so what do you enjoy more? 
We're going to get into the rest of your roster, by the way. But what do you enjoy more? The game day handling or or the programming? Ooh. That might be one of the hardest questions you've uh, you've ever asked me, Ryan. Um I, I, I gotta be honest. I I love the I love the actual meat day handling more. Um, I love the science of programming. I think that my my skill um, at writing training programs has improved exponentially over the years. Uh, and I, you know, I, I have a, a plethora of people to thank for that because, you know, we, we live in this world where luckily uh, there's a lot of good information out there, but there's even better people who are luckily willing to share that information. Um, but there's nothing like slapping that attempt change card down and being like, I gotcha. You know, it's, it's the best. <laughs> got you. Um, that happened I, recently. That happened recently. We at, uh, at Southern regionals, if we're talking on the rest of my roster, um, Brandon Dudley, bam, bam. He, yeah. uh, he was in a fight against Kyle DeLeon for the, the pro card. And I got to, got to make the change and beat a record that was held by Mike Tushir for a decade, which was super cool. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing more fun than, than doing that. It's, it's so much fun. I mean, for sure, you can geek out about the numbers programming, and that's it's it's fun in a different way. Probably because fun isn't the word. It's more when it comes to that, and you see someone's progress, you wouldn't say, "Oh, it's fun watching your progress." Maybe it's satisfying, or it's um, you feel good about it. I can help you see these things through. But in terms of fun, in terms of day of, again. You know, you're with your guy, your girl. It's the it's the weigh-ins, and you're seeing all the other opposition. Like, holy shit, we're about to go to battle. And when you're handling, I don't got to tell you, my friend, but every flub and mistake you make, every good move you make, everything is remembered, and it all matters, right? It all matters when it's that close. And um, and that's when you're like, oh man, I got to get on point. That's how I met you, man. Is that IPF Worlds when you're a coach for Team USA? Um, right in the thick of it. What, what was the first year you had done coaching? Um, so I went to help out in Calgary. Actually, that was I think that was when we first met. Um, I uh, I had just the opportunity to, and it was it was really cool. Obviously, I was part of the strength athlete then, and uh, the guys were part of the the uh, open team assistant coaching. So I you know got the chance to put the jacket on. I think I've still got it in the closet somewhere, and um, you know come and come and help out. And then, uh, I had, uh, uh, Serena Abwe, uh, go, uh, when worlds was in Sweden that first time. Um, so a couple, couple years getting to do that, which was, was super cool. Um, hopefully, hopefully get to do it good again at some point. Um, Dude, I, I still remember you 2018. Um, yeah, you were at the strength athlete. Bryce actually ended up winning that year. That was good for you, that outfit. And you were commentating with me and you made the most of it, man. You 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 made the most of your 2018 Calgary stay. Um, and you did a good job commentating, man. I remember that. You came extremely well prepared. We did a couple sessions. And then 2019, we did another session together, actually. We did Ricky versus Michael C in the junior yeah. 74s. I remember asking you, which session do you want to do? Because you were like, do you want to do some co-commentary? You have any room for it? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Because I remember you were good the year before. And you're like, oh, it's got to be the junior 74s. I'm like, really? And you gave me the down low on that one. And um, yeah, there's nothing quite like a good high end. Do you think you will be doing, like, is it possible for you to come back coaching? Is this going to be one of these, you're, you're about to get hit with a 14, right? So yeah, um, 
I, I don't know what the situation with Article 14 is. And I mean, I I know I know that this podcast is listened to by a, a lot of international lifters. So I'll, I'll just take this moment to maybe advocate for myself and the rest of the coaches out there that make a living uh, off of being able to help lifters at whatever federation they, they, they like. Um, it is silly that I, as a powerlifting coach, can't do my job where, where I want. Um, I, I would really love to be able to come back and do that. And it's, it's silly that I can't go help my athletes, you know, wherever, not even just in the USAPL, but wherever and fear being hit by that. And I, I hope that the higher levels of the IPF that the higher ups at least consider, uh, making a change to that rule because it is not helping the sport. It's not, it's, it's actively hurting it. Um, I'm not even necessarily asking, uh, to, to amend it for athletes, but just those of us that are coaches at the very least, like it's, it's really, it really is silly that so long as we're following all of the other protocols, but we happen to have coached someone at some national meet in our country that isn't the IPF. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. It, It doesn't better the sport in any way. Um, so I'm hoping that that is the case. I, I really, really hope that there's some kind of reset or that maybe they, they amend the article altogether. Um, but yeah, I'm just putting that out there as a little bit of a, a plea. Just, uh, if, if you could, if you could help me help my international athletes, that would be great. I'll Doug, I'll second this. Look at, I don't see how it helps either. And it can get messy when you have something like an article 14 floating around because what one federation is not water, but there's going to be a lot of people coaching at a lot of different high school sports, a lot of different events that aren't going to be water. we got to be careful how this works. And it's starting to bring out the worst in people. People are, we're turning on each other. We're using it as, you know, politically to attack people. And it's not good. It's not bringing out the best. It's not helping. I don't see how it's making us a cleaner sport you know, by te- keeping a guy like Joe Stanek out of here, it's different if you're if you're coaching maybe an athlete who got banned or stuff like that. Like there's, I got I got stuff like this. Or fine if you're building cases like that, like you're you're working with ex athletes who have already been suspended, etc. Sure. Um, but the way it's written right now is causing a lot of issues. And um, yeah, I'm definitely not pro Article 14. I would love to see this thing getting taken out. And um, we'll see, man. We'll see what the future brings. But um, yeah, it'd be it'd be beautiful, man, to see everybody back. Because then you're going to be, that's another tough situation where you got to be like, who am I getting to handle my people? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll use uh, my good friend Steve Denovi as a case here. Like he had two incredible athletes who got to go over to the worlds for the first time and he wasn't allowed to go with them. Like, that's just, that's a shame that uh, they both went and they both put on a heck of a show in their respective weight classes. And Steve couldn't go to be there to help out with that. I mean, obviously uh, Arian did a, a hell of a job with Natalie. I, I don't recall who handled uh, Waskar, um, but you know, they, they both obviously did well, but you know, it's, it's good to have somebody who has regular eyes on your training. Um, not to mention that you trust and are comfortable with, um, on, on meet day. And I mean, again, obviously if you prepare well and, and you get to, to know your, your handler on the day, if, if they're not going to be the coach, um, it's not the end of the world, but 
You know, it's just, it's something that you, you can't help be like, darn, I really, I really wish that I could be there to celebrate my athletes victories with them, you know? And it's fun. It's fun to travel. 100%. Yeah. Like for sure, from the athlete standpoint, they probably would like to have their coach that programs with them and, and been through all of it with them in the trenches when they're cutting weight, game planning, just back there period for sure from the athlete standpoint, but more than just that, as the coach themselves, you would be like, man, I, wanna, I brought him all the way up to this and I got to like drop him off at the dance. I want to go inside and dance a little bit myself. You know what I mean? Do I got to yeah. wait in the car outside? You want to be there when your athlete wins a world title and, um, and for sure be a part of that as well. It's tough. That's got, that's the toughest, man. It's still the world championships and to not be there. It's, it's hard. Now I know there's like certain, now we're getting into like weird workarounds. People are in the audience and like, you know, you got to like text message things and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this is, is yeah. this it? Is this, is this, is this, is this, is this really clearing anything up? It, do, it doesn't make yeah. Cause it's just like, okay. So if, if you're comfortable with the coach just sitting there in the audience, just holding up a whiteboard or texting, like then why, why is it such a big deal that they're just back there? I just, I don't, I don't get it. The logic to me has never been there. Um, and again, I just think that it, it doesn't help our sport. Um, and, and again, I, I'm going to go further here and say that I, I wish that article 14 just wasn't a thing in general. Um, I think that if, if, the the water system is doing its job it'll catch those people that are cheating um and i think that ultimately like if you get people crossing over between these different federations and doing well in all of them you know i think that there's there's something to be said there like that's a new thing like, could you imagine if if you know if russ could do usapl nationals turn around do pla nationals do worlds do sheffield come back do the arnold like just do all that stuff there'd be a whole new standard for what it means to be one of the best in the sport, you know, like, cause then you could come in and say like, I've, I've done all of these things. Uh, Chandler Babb comes to, to mind. Like she, she won a bunch of different federational titles. Like, you know, she did, she did really big things there. I believe she got sanctioned recently. So maybe I shouldn't be speaking on that, but you know, it's just like, I, different. I, she, she popped yeah. for a stem, but yeah. Yeah. Um, which, unfortunate but you you get you get my drift though like right i i just i feel like in order to actually build our sport out in the correct way um i think that some uh, some sort of amendment you know needs to be needs to be there because again if if the if the water system is so good at catching people then why do we need to 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 guard people from competing in other federations it just doesn't make any sense to me you know yeah unless it's like um again like somebody was suspended and you're competing you're competing with them and then yeah. they're yeah then that kind of thing they they would be like you know we we want people to be suspended to be left out and not still included in these that's that's otherwise the suspension doesn't mean anything right to yeah. be like yeah that's different. that's different that's different yeah we'll see how it all shakes up i think the athlete as far as this article 14 it's still the first step is going to be for the coaches yeah. That's the first step. And it is an extremely unpopular, very unpopular rule. Um, and that's to say the least. So we'll see what happens with it. But uh, wow, man, we stopped. We put a pause for a second there. We were, we went in on this article 14, but it is what it is, man. It, yeah. It's what it's affecting you. Um, and 
Who else do you have on your roster? Let's talk about your roster and what's coming up on USAPL. So, I mean, I've got I've got a good number of of really strong people on on both fronts. I mean, on the on the guy's side, I've got Charlie Yang in the the sixty seven class. He's mm. a veteran of the sport, obviously. Uh, you know, won won national titles before. Um, he's super good. We've got obviously Perk at seventy four, uh, eighty two. I've got Angelo and Chris Perez. Um, at 90, I've, I've got this guy, Dan Howell. I think you've reposted him a couple of times. Yes. Um, yeah. he's, he's on the come up right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that he, uh, will be able to outpull Petrie. I don't know if he'll be able to beat him, but I think he can outpull him. Um, he's, oh, wow. Yeah, he's a ridiculous deadlifter. His squat's getting up there too. Um, it's just his, his benches. I don't know what it is, man. I always seem to get the people with the super long arms and the, the good deadlifts. Um, you really, I swear I know how to program for bench. I swear to that. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's just it's just always I I always get the the people with the the extra long arms. But yeah, so uh, Dan's Dan I think is going to do very well. Um, at one hundred, uh, I've got uh, Kai Zhao, who again I I know you've you've reposted him before. Uh, he's super good. Actually, let me go back to ninety very quickly. Also, I have a, a gentleman who trains at my gym here in Austin. His name's uh, Gary Mendez. Also, like eight hundred and fifty kilo ish total. So super solid mm, okay. at, at ninety. Um, but yeah, Kai, uh, at 100 and, uh, uh, Jalen Falk, um, who you, you may be familiar with. He's, uh, he's like 19 and is just ridiculously strong, um, bold, bold, bold prediction. But I, I honestly think that he could be a contender to win the whole thing. He's, he's like oh, 19 years old. 19? He could squat like, he can squat like 700. He can, well, we'll see. He hasn't done it yet, but he's, he's, his programming's looking like he's going to be able to, he can bench about maybe 220 ish 220 keys and uh he could pull about 800 he's he's ridiculous um so i could see him absolutely winning maybe totaling somewhere around 900 900 keys if possible um and then obviously at 110 i've got keenan you know who, me, who does not ask, get enough love i was just about to say so let's talk about this for a hot for a hot second here keenan for a second is a little bit lost in the fold Bob and Ashton have an incredible amount of hype on them. Keenan is right there with those individuals. Yeah. Why, why, why do you think it is that he's not getting the attention and and how close do you think this is? So there's a couple of things that I'll say. First of all, um, Keenan, unfortunately is a little bit more of an injury prone lifter. Not to say that like the, those two don't get injured as well. I know Ashton's dealt with some stuff, but Keenan Keenan's definitely been somebody who has had some challenges with injuries over his career. So that alone, I think, is something that is at least somewhat publicly known that, you know, people don't believe in him as much that way. But the other the other thing that I think is important with him is that he just doesn't post much. He doesn't post his training that much. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily on purpose. I think he just doesn't feel the need to do so. Um, I think he just wants his body of work to ultimately do that. And who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm supposed to have a call with him relatively soon here. So maybe, maybe I'll get some insight. He's supposed to, uh, come here the week before nationals to do his, his training. Uh, cause we, we discussed after the Arnold, uh, that he maybe needs to spend a little bit more time over here to acclimate. Cause obviously he comes from South Korea. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see there, but yeah, I, I just, I literally think it's just that he just doesn't post his training enough. That's that's simply the reason, um, and I I think I I think I can say this publicly without um, people 
people getting uh, in, enraged, but there is a very good chance that those three are not going to be doing the primetime session. And I hopefully, hopefully I can announce this and, and um, they won't be, they won't be uh, mad at me, but um, Ashton has a scheduling commitment that he is more than likely going to have to leave after the regular session on the day that one tens are scheduled. So he's going to have to say no to primetime. And as a result, I know for a fact that Mar when Marcellus told Bob that he's just like, well, I'm doing the regular session too. And when I told Keenan that he's like, well, I'm doing the regular session too. So the one ten. Like, talk about. Oh, okay. Holy shit. This is not great for primetime session viewing because this is probably the most sensational showdown we're going to watch. Yeah. This is by far the biggest. Yeah. Easy. This is like IPF Worlds in Eurosports. Like, hey, guess what? We're choosing this session to go live on Eurosport. And if the IPF found out, oh, by the way, all three of them have dropped out, it would be disastrous. Yeah. This this is bad. I bad for I mean, they're, they're going to show the other sessions, obviously, but still, man. Yeah, damn. it it is unfortunate. But it, what it comes down to is the schedule for USAPL Nationals, unfortunately, had to change because of the distribution of lifters that signed up. Um, and they just had to move one tens to a different day. So as a result, um, you know, Ashton. I, I I don't think it's for the military. I think it's for something with his PhD. I, I can't remember exactly. You'd have to ask Marcellus about that. Again, I don't want to necessarily speak for him, but regardless, he has a scheduling conflict and he just, he can't be there for prime time. So yeah, everybody tune into the regular session. If you want to see that, that mm -hmm. little three-way showdown. You know, everybody in the regular session is like, oh, hell yeah. Everybody's going to watch me now. Usually people in the regular session are like, oh, what's my viewership going to be like? everybody's going to watch. And now everyone in the prime time for that day would be like, damn it, man. I thought we were going to be on like the most viewed of all the USAPL. And it turns out the biggest showdown now shifted. That's tough, man. That's a tough break for some of those people, but yeah, that's a hell of a showdown. And I think there's something, there's something, well, first off, Ashton for a little while, there was the guy in the USAPL, right? Um, so there's that for Ashton. He's been around for a long time. He's just physically a freak and so dominant. And then the emergence of Bob Matthews has a lot of people excited. He's got a way about him too. But his emergence, in terms of a guy who like strap a freaking rocket ship onto that young man and he is shot up. It is crazy. It he's a guy that when you're whenever he posts, you can't wait to see his training videos because he's gonna do an SBD day and you're like, oh my God, look at what he's doubling. Look at what he's tripling. And then you start grabbing your, you know, calculators, be like, well, what if his single is this? What does that total give him? It's like, can't miss for when Ashton or sorry, for when Bob posts. And, um, and again, he's got a way about him. You know, he's charismatic on, on videos and whatnot. Um, so I, in Keenan isn't posting as much. He's not, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't have the history that Ashton has in the game. And um, and he doesn't quite have that in terms of what Bob's doing. So I could see why. But Keenan, though, he's right there with these fellas. He's got an excellent opportunity. And and this is his opportunity. It, you don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I'm I'm not sure. Like this is this is a can't miss one for me. Yeah. You obviously are rooting for your boy Keenan. And yeah, um, if I, <laughs> do you think in your heart of hearts, how close is this? You know, I, I gotta be honest. I think that it's, I think it's closer than, than people think. Um, 
you know, it's funny. I, I honestly think it's going to come down to how much we can add to Keenan's bench. That's that's really what I, what I think it's going to be because his squat and deadlift are insane. Um, you know, like he he narrowly missed what would have been just under like the the non-tested all-time world record at the Arnold, you know, like narrowly missed it. So I, I genuinely, genuinely think it's it's going to be very, very close. Um, now that said, I'm, I'm never going to write off Bob and Ash. Um, they're, they're too strong. They're besides just being like excellent human beings in general, they're so locked right now, both of them. Um, I, I, I mean, Bob, I actually stayed with, uh, with Bob at, uh, nationals last year and that man is a machine. He just, he literally, he, he asked, I went to the grocery store and he asked me to get him like, like three different things. I think it was like, it was like peanut butter, white bread, uh, milk i think and then like some some kind of protein something i don't know and this man is just sitting there eating sandwiches and he's watching his old training footage his old meat footage he's just watching it just really? die like like in his room the whole time just dialed um so yeah i i, I have no doubt he's going to come in pete and again i know i know marcellus i know marcellus is going to make sure he's absolutely dialed on that and and then ashton he's just had this fire under him lately man he he just really has and i i think he i think he doesn't like that some people have written him off um again i don't want to speak for him but i i've had that conversation with him at least once um and i i know he's going to bring it so it, it's going to it's it's going to come down to to everything the reason i say i think it's going to come down to what we can add to keenan's bench is because he he has such a good distribution with his lower body lifts that you know bob bob is just this massive massive bencher and you know it, it i i think if we have any shot of like for sure winning it's just going to be that keenan has to bench more simply put so we'll see um again one of the challenges that having programmed for him um i can say is just making sure that he doesn't get injured because when you're moving that much weight it's so much easier to get injured um, and, mm. and again, I think, you know, I think if you talk to, to Ashton, he would say something similar. Luckily, you know, knock on wood, uh, nothing like that's happened to Bob yet in his career. But, um, I will say, I, I think that it'll be very, very interesting, um, after nationals, because I know there's been some rumblings of the craft boys coming over to the IPF as well. So I think, it, I think it would be interesting to see what, what dynamic they bring. Oh, sh- it's son. It like first off, um, the work that Marcellus has done with Bob and Ashton has been phenomenal. I mean, Ashton's been a monster for a while, but Bob, oh my gosh, did they ever is that it, Marcellus has put in work with that young man? I got I got a fun fun story for you. Dan Howell, who I okay. mentioned before, he yeah. beat Bob in a local meet at 2019. In 2019, just before nationals, both of them savor that, that picture. I hope he's got videos. I hope he's got pictures. You savor that one. Yeah, he beat he beat him at 2019, and this was maybe eight weeks out. And then eight weeks later, Bob's just totaling. And this is before he was with Marcellus. Just before he, I think, even had a coach, and he was just totaling ridiculously more than what Dan uh, did to beat him eight weeks prior. So, like, even then. Even then, back when I don't know if anybody remembers when Bob was like a meme lifter, just doing like dumb yeah, stuff for for posting. I don't but think like, he likes when that gets brought up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so, so either. He's I, I mean, so. at this point, he's absolutely erased that from anybody's memory that that doesn't actively sure. think about that. He's he's just he's so dialed. And honestly, again, just the thing that I the thing that I love about 
um, having a friendship with not only Marcellus, but his whole team is all of them are just good human beings. It's, it's great to talk to them. You know, they, it's fun. They're, they're good to compete against. They like are just genuinely all about, you know, improving the sport and they're, they're good sportsmen in general. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to call all of them friends. I had, like I said, I talked to Marcellus on pretty much a daily basis along with, uh, some other coaches and the, yeah, they're just all good humans. It's, it's really, it's really fun to compete against them. And I always love, uh, just seeing what they bring to the table because that's what makes it fun. Is it competitive? Because you guys have a lot of head to heads. Um, I mean, I think in a in a a sense it is for sure. Yeah. Um, like a sibling, like a sibling rivalry type of. Oh yeah, I, I mean, know. I I look up to Marcellus in a lot of ways. I mean, his his rise to like if we're talking like points, he has, you know, the most points in of all of the, the coaches with pro lifters. So, you know, you could objectively call him, him the, the best coach. And I mean, he's, he's, he's a good dude. He is a, it, before being a good coach before, um, you know, being a, a good lifter himself, who's basically at that pro level as well. He's just, he's a, a good human being. And I, I, I look up to him in a lot of ways. So of course, of course it would be nice for, for my guys to be able to, to beat his guys. That's, you know, it, it always, it always feels that way that you, you want to do that. Um, yeah, sure. You could call it something like that. Yeah. I mean, you're all competitive, especially on the coaches. If you, if you're the coach, you want to be Phil Jackson, you want to be, you know, you want to have the team. Um, uh, but yeah, Marcellus has got some killers there. The one thing with the one tens is everybody going to start filling out the one tens. Or, yeah, I'll let you go because you you got a one ten and you talk to Marcellus often. Yeah. Um. So I think it again. I think it depends on what they end up doing because I again I don't want to speak for Marcellus when it comes to his guys. Um. I know for a fact Keenan is very committed to to USAPL. I, I won't get into the drama with the Korean side of 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 the IPF, but he's he's very much not about that. Um, so I know Keenan is very committed to continuing to compete in the USAPL. So as far as filling that out goes, that would be um, what I would personally like to see is just a, is just a fan of Keenan. I would like to see him as a, you know, full filled out 110. Um, but you know, it just, it just kind of depends. I, I, I think as far as the other guys go, I think if they go into the IPF, I think you'll probably see, you'll probably see like Ashton at 105 and you'll probably see Bob at 120. If I had to make it, I guess. Cause he, he, um, so that's going to impact USAPL Nets. Bob was on here talking about exactly that, where he can see himself filling out 120 at a certain point. I was wondering, though, if he was going to go into, if he goes IPF route, hit the 105 first, do Sheffield and try to take that rec world record for a ride and take his, you know, the, the big Sheffield bag, then go 120 and start being like a two division world champion and see what you could do there and fill out and yada, yada. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in, I'm not, I don't know how hard it is for him. And obviously it's fun to pack on weight. And for this showdown, it is a little bit of a game of chicken as well. Like right. who wants to fill out this one ten? and you could maybe not super fill it out to a point where you're cutting to one ten. you're actually over one ten. Because if we're because for him and Ashton, anyways, if they're both telling themselves, look, we're both going IPF, right? Are you cutting? Because if you're cutting, you don't want to fill this out too much. On the flip side, if we show up in September and I'm like five kilos bigger than you, that's gonna be that could be the that could be all she that could be the tipping point if they're that close. 
Yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't, from everything that I've seen, I know that Bob is pretty focused on, you know, adding mass. And I mean, you, if you just look at his training videos, you can just see that. Um, yeah, he's a big, he's a big kid. Um, whereas Ashton, like I, I can recall, uh, one collegiate nationals that I was coaching at years ago where he had to like chug water just to make his weight class, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, it, that's if, again, that's why I'm saying like Ashton at one Oh five and Bob at 120 because I, I think that that would make the most sense um again I, I also think you'll you'll probably see see Petrie at 93 if that ends up happening um which I think will be again as a fan of the sport I think that'll be that'll be great um and honestly I don't know I don't know what the situation will be with with the rest of my roster as far as the IPF goes um but I know I know for a fact that um I'll at least have one person who's at least in contention and that's Kristen Dunsmore. I didn't talk about my girls yet, but, um, Kristen, who is, uh, actually we went to oh, college Kristen with you now. She's been with me for a little while. Yeah. Um, we oh, actually no went kidding. to college together. She, she was doing her master's degree at Syracuse while I was doing my, my undergraduate. So I've known her. She's probably, probably my oldest friend in powerlifting. Um, and yeah, so we, we started up again, uh, this week. Um, she took a little bit of a, a break cause her PhD was ramping up, but yeah, she's with me now. Um, so I, I know for a fact I'll at least have have her vying for a, a world spot. Um, so that'll be that'll be pretty fun. And then I know I, I think Chris is comfortable with me saying this. I know Chris Perez is definitely considering um, moving over to the IPF after nationals as well. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll have a few. It's it's going to get um, well. First off, Kristen Dunsmore is awesome, and um, she's been dealing with some injuries though. It's the same glute injury that keeps coming around. And it's tough because she wins USAPL Nats almost always in a dogfight showdown and then earns the right to go to Worlds and then it flares up and she's at Worlds. It's yep. happened twice now. And I feel terrible because like, damn it. it. But at least she gets to have like the American singling on and have the Worlds experience. The first time in 2019 it happened to her, it wasn't great. You know, like in terms of her emotionally having to deal with this, like very difficult. You like, as you would probably suspect, but when she made it back in 2022, she said, all right, it wasn't a day I wanted, but at least she could take in the experience a little more and be like, all right, let me just enjoy being at worlds and seeing these people from all over the world and just take it all in. But if she makes it back to a world team, man, I hope she's a hundred percent. It could actually go all out. It'll be tough because a lot of people are it's there's going to be a bottleneck at PA Nats now to make that US team. Like there's going to be a serious serious bottleneck. Nick was like, dude, if Perk comes over, Atwood might not even make it to Worlds. And I'm yeah. like, that possible. is insane. But but that's not just Atwood who faces that. I don't know what we class Russ is going to be if Russ goes 93 or look at look at like Jonathan Keiko Gavin Aiden, think about the studs that might not make the world team. Yeah. It's insane. There will be a massive bottleneck. It's I don't even know, man. I, I I'll say this. I I know that there is is a switch. Which again, if we're we're if if I'm going to use this moment to to talk a little bit to some higher ups, uh, I think the higher ups in USA Powerlifting need to need to really notice that they are not giving their pros the experience that they want. Um, and that's no reflection on, uh, Brad Cooliard, who runs the pro series. Now he recently took that over and I know he's going to do a fantastic job that said, 
Uh, I'm talking to the rest of the higher ups in USA Powerlifting. You, you need to realize that you need to cater to the higher level athletes because ultimately that is where that's where the eyes go. And ultimately that'll end up being where people go. Um, so if you want to keep your federation legitimate, pay a little bit closer attention to that. You just need to. And again, I know Brad is is doing his best, but I know that he often has to fight for a lot of things. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not going to speak on that too much because I don't want to. I was going to say, I'm not entirely sure what we're talking about right now, but if you want to skip past it, that's cool. Yeah. Um, long story short, uh, I, I think anybody who thinks that they're just going to go over to PA and just get a world spot easily, they got another thing coming because there is definitely going to be a shift. Killers. It's killers, man. It's absolute killers. And Kristen Dunsmore trains her killer. Kristen yeah, Dunsmore, I know. I know. Chelsea Savitt, who's now made it a couple times to IPF Worlds. Kristen Dunsmore, who's done a fantastic job training her, but unfortunately has done such a good job it's like, damn it, I, I don't know if I can beat you now. She has. They've battled each other, um, but it'll be tough. And I don't know who else is going to end up coming over on the women's side. And It's getting tougher and tougher because there's Claire as well. Claire's I know, eyes in there. I believe Celine Crump has announced that she's coming over. She I has. know that. Um, but she's I don't, 60, yeah. She's 63. So she'll be Meg. She'll, so she's 63 with Meg, which is I'm freaking gonna be a crazy showdown first off. Yeah, hell. And then, showdown. like, dude, can you believe either like Celine or Megan Scanlon might not make it? Like, what? Yeah. That's wild. in what world, dude? Celine, who's like the pro series champ, and Megan Scanlon, who's like multiple time worlds, you know, like world champion, and the whole nine. One of mm. them might not go. And then yeah. in '69, yeah, Claire's eye will be back. Um, and Chelsea, Chelsea beat Claire last time, but it's close. Claire's top end is up there. And yeah. then obviously if Kristen Dunsmore can get back on track, if she's, if she doesn't have this glute injury and she's a hundred percent because Kristen Dunsmore is a killer. People might forget man, but she's a killer. If she can go all out, she's just yeah. got to get a healthy. We're, um, we're working on it, man. Let's, let's. let's oh quit. God, dude, that's we're been forever. It. It's been like a five-year glute injury. It's crazy. So the fun, fun fact, like I said, I've known Kristen since college when I went to school and even back then she was dealing with injury. When I when I uh, met her in not the same one was it? No, I think it was her back. If I'm not mistaken, okay. um, we trained together a few times when I first met her. My um my intro to exercise science professor, Doctor Heffernan. Shout out shout out to him. He uh he went to school with Lane Norton. Um, no shit. Yeah, yeah. He he uh he introduced me to Kristen because she was uh, that he was her uh, advisor. Um. And, uh, yeah, we've known each other for a long time and I can fondly recall a few, a few training sessions where things got a little emotional for her because she was dealing with pain. Um, so yeah, it, it just from, from a standpoint of not even just a coach, but just, you know, wanting to see your friends succeed. Uh, I would very much, very, very much like to be able to bring a, a, a fully healthy, uh, Kristen to, to PLA Nats next year and, and hopefully be able to, to earn her that, that world spot. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, hats off to her to be dealing with all these injuries and the pain and the pain is bad. I've seen it where she, when it flares up and she's feeling pain and she just like, if she's been going through this all these years and she's still in, the, she's still in it. She's still out there scrapping it out um, and, and going to show up. She's starting to post again. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, hopefully you can, you'll be able to handle when you show up there. I hope so, man. I hope so. I, um, 
So I am not working with him currently, but we were talking about getting back together again. I, I hope, hope I'll be able to guide uh, Brian as well. Um, he uh, going into, into worlds, he, you know, did his own thing. And, and I think uh, ultimately his lack of a solid handler on meet day cost him the world championship. Um, not, not to say that, you know, Pan, Pan, Pan absolutely earned that day. He had a phenomenal day. He, he was the best power lifter on the day, but I don't know, watching, watching worlds and watching Brian, Brian and some of his decisions, I was like, Oh dude, this, this just, this was not the right calls. Um, so hopefully you guys were working together before we, we worked together when he was going into, uh, USAPL nationals for a little while. And then, uh, he took a break and I helped him out, um, leading into, uh, PLN ants. Obviously I was there to handle him and all that. And then he just, he did his own thing for, for prep, um, leading into worlds, which is, you know, totally fine. His decision, but we've talked back and forth a few times and I don't know, no, no pressure, Brian, if you're listening, but, um, I, I, it, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I, yeah, I just I I can't help but think like, damn, that was that was your meat to lose, Brian. Like you you had you had a, a lot of really good projections. Your your training looked good, and you just made some. Just I mean, he didn't have to. He didn't have to cut. He didn't have to cut. He was eating morning of. It's just like, I don't know. Can't help but be like, it's, damn, you had some good circumstances, but you uh, you kind of messed it up a little bit. It. I don't think people still uh, well. To an extent, people in powerlifting just don't fully appreciate how much game day coaching matters. I agree. Still, though, and, and I've been saying this from like way back in the day, they don't fully appreciate how much game day coaching matters. It matters. And I mean, people who are like lifters at the top and pinnacle of the sport still don't understand. Yes, it matters. Matt Gary says the strongest powerlifter doesn't always win. It's the best advantage you can have is being the strongest guy in the room, strongest woman in the room, but it's not always going to win it for you. We've yeah. seen this. Yeah. We know this is the case. Like, and... I, like I just said, Pana was the best powerlifter on the day. He played the game. He executed perfectly. And that's why he won. It, it, it's yeah. I don't know, man. What do we got to do to convince people that this is actually a factor? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that a lot of people write that off. Like there are so many small things that game day coaches have to do that. I just don't think even, even just a casual power lifter don't really like, they, they don't understand what that's like at the high level. I mean, again, if we're, we're talking, um, you know, just stuff, something that happened recently with, with my handling Bam Bam for his pro card, I had to be there in the back doing a bunch of math like looking at every lifter's attempts and figuring out what the the coefficient score was that that Brandon needed to win and then I had to be like okay what exactly we're playing with a, an American record here so what exactly what chip gets us that you know it's it's a lot and luckily I had some some help uh, in the back cuz that's a lot of a lot of work for one person but right you know it, it's just like that that is the kind of stuff that a lot of people don't don't understand or appreciate there's um there's another trick that uh that Brad Couliard, my coach, who I mentioned earlier, he calls it handcuffing someone where you can manipulate your, your deadlift changes to get somebody to be stuck with a certain attempt and, and they don't have the opportunity to change it. If you don't know how to do that, if you as the lifter, one, you probably have a million things going through your head. You're probably not going to be able to figure that out. If you have somebody in your corner that knows how to handcuff someone, knows how to handcuff your competition so that that puts you in an even easier position to win, 
then, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't know how to do. It's, it's just, you, it's, it's too valuable, you know, between like lot number advantage and understanding how lot numbers comes to the different chips and making sure, I mean, this can happen on you without paying attention where if you have, if someone else has a chip, you have a chip, but then you don't have a chip advantage because they also have a chip. So then you have to like pick your extra chips appropriately so that you still have an advantage. And like, these are little things you can't do on the fly as well as like handcuffing someone to your point where if you both have placeholders, but you're pretty sure they're going to blink first and you're going to be pulling last, but they got to put theirs in because there's other people who are deadlifting while this is happening. And if they don't hurry up, if they get this deadlift, the bar doesn't decrease. So they can't be handcuffed. They don't want to get handcuffed with a weight that they don't already want with the weight. They don't want to have to pull, but they got to go. But you're like, I'm not blinking and we're going after you. Like, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of gamesmanship to it. There's a lot. Look at Matt Gary wrote a freaking manual and people should really read this thing and, and dive in and start respecting the game a little bit more when it comes to this. And I don't know, man, it's, I've been saying it for a long time and I remember, um, God bless. I remember Gavin, you know, he's a, he's if ever all, all hearts guy, he's a, all hearts guy, right? This is why I love Gavin because he is like that passionate. He's like ever the athlete, do what you want or say what you want and I'll do it type of guy. But he was like, the stronger guy's going to win. No one's going to stop me, et cetera. He didn't fully understand the game day yet, right? And he was saying on all the podcasts and then um, PA Nats were all going out for dinner afterwards and we're all in this big ass van and he sat beside Matt Gary of all people. And by the time we got to the restaurant, he ends up sitting beside Matt Gary. And then by the time everybody's done eating, being jolly, whatever, I've run into uh, I've run into Gavin in the hotel lobby, and he's like, I, I changed my mind about game day handling. I'm like, Yeah, that would be the conversation that might do it. <laughs> that might be the guy who you sit beside. And he's like, Let me tell you some stories. Um, but yeah, it's and better that- to find out like that than on the platform. Yeah, I mean the the reason that my company is named Game Day is because of Matt Gary. Um, I I tell this story. Really? A, yeah, I tell this story a reasonable amount. But I heard the first time that I had ever had the, the experience of um, working with Matt and getting the chance to to you know kind of study under him at the Arnold. Um, he we kept referring to it as as Game Day, and you know I I was like, yeah, that's a really cool way to talk about you know, meet day. Cause I had always it's been like, yeah, it's meet day or whatever. It's just like game day. just sounds so much cooler. Um, mm. and a- actually our, our motto at, at, at my gym and my company is in strength and skill, which is how Matt Gary signs all of his emails. We, we took that Whoa, from him as well. Shit. Dude, no kidding, man. Yeah. Isn't it when you came in the game, who were your influences? Like it sounds like Matt Gary, but oh man, who were your I influences mean, when you came in? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say some names that I feel like half your, your listener base is going to be like, who, um, cause of, of how much the sport has evolved. But, um, my original influences with like wanting to get into powerlifting coaching were, uh, actually Eric Helms, um, you know, who obviously has been Bryce Lewis's longtime coach, um, Bryce, of course, that's why I went to him to intern under him and ultimately worked under him. Um, he just retired actually. eh? yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I haven't spoken a little dog. Yeah, I haven't I haven't spoken to Bryce for for a little while, but I, I I hope he's doing well. I know I know he probably didn't make that decision uh super super lightly. 
Um, but yes, it does make me feel very old. Uh, I mean, Boris Shako, of course, like, you know, one of the winningest coaches of all time. Um, and then actually, uh, a name you probably have, I don't think I've heard in a, a while, uh, Ben Rice. He, uh, he was one of the first power lifters that I ever, I ever watched. And, uh, I always thought like, it was just so cool how much weight he was moving around. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of my original inspirations back in the day and Candido actually, um, which, uh, was pretty cool. Cause he trains at my gym now. That's, uh, that's pretty sweet. If I do say so myself. Candido, like that was an era. There's an era where like this is before podcasts were all that big. Um, it was, there was a YouTube era and Candido was definitely leading that charge. And we're talking like circa 2014, 15, 16. And, um, and even like live streams were super rudimentary or in that early era when Candido was leading the charge on YouTube. And I remember the first year I was doing commentating in 2016 at worlds, um, Candido sat in and we did the hack versus Gibbs. What a day. And it thought that pushed us forward on at the right time. That was pivotal. And um I remember people were like, Candido's here. Candido's gonna come in. Like we we're gonna get Candido to do co-commentary with you guys. And because he had it, he had a YouTube presence. And at the time, like we didn't have in in again. The significance of it might be slightly lost because people aren't from that ever now and things have changed. But we didn't have a lot of personalities. Back then, man, you there were times when we had 15 seconds on Instagram. You, you, you weren't showing a lot of your personality on Instagram. We didn't have cultivated personalities on Instagram that really stood out. So, and again, podcasts weren't around. So not only did we have not have like podcast hosts and whatnot, like, but we didn't have guests coming on, telling their story, et cetera. Candido was at a time when he was a personality. He had a YouTube channel and it was successful. And he was not only just showing his personality because he could splice in, he was funny. He was, um, he could give you otherwise dry material, but make it entertaining and easy to digest, which it was perfect for YouTube. But he also like, people did learn. People like, I think Sean Noriega once posted, I learned how to squat off of Johnny Candido initially. I'm sure he did, you know, touched up after that. But when I first learned, it was off of Candido videos. Like Candido was that bridge for a lot of people to come over from just doing SBD days for regular strength. I mean, like, what's this? It's powerlifting. What's what's this all about? Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised if you come around that era. I I would go a step further, and I would say that drug-free powerlifting, at least at the at the IPF level. I, I genuinely do not think it would be quite as popular these days had Johnny never posted a video to YouTube. I, I truly believe that USA Powerlifting, when it was still the IPF affiliate, became popular because Johnny Candido existed, because he was like, hey, I'm competing in this national championships that is drug tested. I'm going to get to go to the world championships and go against Brett Gibbs and, you know, Here's here's this other super strong guy named Josh Hancock. You remember him? Yes. Um, you know, like what happened to him? What happened to him? I think really bad back injuries. I don't know. If if I said that name to like your typical like sub junior junior lifter right now, they'd be like, who? And meanwhile, he was, he was ridiculous. Um yeah. but you know, like like 
Johnny highlighted all these people and was just like, check out these super strong lifters from other countries. And I am positive that I can say that, uh, you know, a wave of people who had no idea that there was, you know, that type of power, that, that raw power. I, I came back to the sport. I originally did my first meet when I was 13 years old, when powerlifting was only equipped. It was this, this unsanctioned competition in, in my gym that my, my best friend 14. Yeah. Ironically, ironically, I'm, I'm banned for that. That's exactly why. No, I, like I, I, I got into equipment because that was the thing. It was loose equipment, mind you, but I, I hated it. I loved all the training. And again, no offense to any of the people who do equipped out there. You're a different breed. Just not for me. And I, I didn't touch the sport for a long time. And then I started to started seeing Candido's videos and I'm like, Oh, this is cool. I didn't realize that raw powerlifting was a thing now. And then it was, it just snowballed from there. Um, I, I, so I, I could probably say that I, I don't think I'd be a powerlifting coach if Johnny Candido wasn't a thing. I, I'd probably be doing something completely different. He definitely was, you know, I don't want to overemphasize because I know meat directors and things like that are extremely important, but in terms of influencers and what they bring, I'm not got to tell you, dog, you're freaking huge on TikTok right now. Yeah, yeah, I got a few, I got a few followers on there. Yeah. You were doing your damn thing. And this is like, people could say what they want about like TikTok. If they don't get it fine, but you got to bring people in. We do need to start casting nets in, in young people, people of all ages. Let's just cast nets and let's bring them in. This is how people find the sport. Um, there's no there's, question. We'll talk about, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, yeah, like there's, there's a, there's a whole other generation that needs to be spoken to any, anyway, please continue. Yeah. So we'll dive into that in a sec. But um, I also remember around the same era of 2014 ish, along with uh, Candido doing his damn thing was Lane Norton. And this was for people now, they know Lane Norton as the guy who's like been on Joe Rogan and been on Andrew Huberman. And he's like a nutrition guy and his videos on nutrition. You know, when when his face pops up and you see somebody in the background, somebody's about to get blasted and he's going to go at you in his, I mean, people from, he's crossed over into mainstream for nutrition, but he also talks about powerlifting, which is cool. Like when he's on Rogan and he talks about powerlifting, like that's cool. But 2014, he was in the open. Like right now he's a master's world champion. He was in the open an open world champion going to the open world championships, breaking open world records and meddling. And like, this was his prime heyday. And he was, he was also on YouTube at the same time, him and Candido were like four powerlifting, absolutely massive. And it, his, his influence wasn't just for his reach, but also his knowledge base. So Candido leaned into the technical aspects, et cetera. And obviously lean. Now we all take for granted again. Everybody looks shredded. Everybody's counting macros, calorie steps, and everybody to what we know on nutrition. There was a time in powerlifting where you didn't know how to cut weight. You didn't know how to appropriately make your weight classes. And you kind of came in whatever you came in and lane changed all of that. We didn't even know, like, man, we weren't monitoring what protein levels or any of this, man. Lane Norton came in and, and decided, let me drop some science on everybody in the game. And now all of a sudden, everybody's drops a weight class, far leaner, far more jack, strength levels stay the same. We're all optimized. And that's an, he was a major, major push for all this. Him, and in terms of his social media reach, was lovely for powerlifting. When him and 
um, who's the girl that was with him? Kate, Katie Rutherford. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I believe Revent- so. they, they were. They were like she was huge, too, at one point. Yeah, she had like six figures for Instagram followers back in 2015, 16. Like she was massive, too. And then um, so they, they were there at the time. And then this is also around the time. Another huge influence on people was Mike T, whom mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of what he laid down for powerlifting programming, he brought over RPE from other sports. He's like, we got to incorporate RPE, RPE into our training. And when we see guys like this walking around, like Lane Norton, Mike T, Johnny Candido, that's why like, man, I don't know. Certain people won't know. They, they they won't get it. And they'll come into this game now and not realize you. this wasn't the way it was. This is the way it is now because they did it first. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I think you put it perfectly. Um, fun fact, I had in my college dorm room sophomore year, I had an autographed picture of Lane that was sitting oh, behind my desk. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was cool. He actually he came to he came to game day and trained when he was on Rogan. Seen that? I seen you. Oh, was it when you when he's on Rogan? Because I seen you po- uh, posted a picture. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it was it was very cool, um, and it's it's been it, it's it's been super cool to. I don't know, kind of. I, I don't want to like. I don't want to put myself up there with like those types because I don't have nearly that type of reach. But it has been cool to have some kind of impact on the sport in that way um you know i've had i've had people come up to me at meets and be like i didn't know what powerlifting was before i found your tiktok and as as much as people in the powerlifting community hate tiktok uh, the way that i i always justify it to them is you gotta you gotta do something to cut through all of that terrible information that is on that app because that is i swear that's like early fitness youtube is what tiktok is right now we're, is it- we're yeah, we're just like we're like just all this bad information is that I mean, not necessarily around like bodybuilding because that has, you know, a huge reach and there's a lot of like really good creators on there um, that actually know what they're doing, actually know the science. But in terms of powerlifting, no, there's just there's there's not good info on there. There's people telling you to run small of, um, you know, it's just oh like, God. yeah, it's it's not good. So it, it's nice to be able to be on there and to be able to be like, hey, you know, have you ever your your bench sucks? Have you ever thought about maybe doing it more than once per week? You know, just literally like basic stuff like that that just somehow goes viral. Um, and again, like some of the some of the best lifters on on my roster have come to me through TikTok. Uh, Jalen Falk, who I mentioned earlier, the the nineteen year old who could actually win hundreds in in open hmm. TikToker. He he has I think like 400, 500k on there, and oh, we wow. just. Yeah, we just met in person and I've been I've been coaching him since last year. Um, you know, so that there are there are a lot of really strong kids that just need need guidance and that's kind of the way I see it. Actually, the um do you know the kid who uh just broke the all-time world record deadlift that that 16-year-old kid? Um he 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 hit me up through through TikTok for for coaching. We start next week. Um Holy shit, man. Yeah, so like it's it's to me, I think TikTok is an investment in that next generation of powerlifters that are going to come up. Um, that's the way. That's the way that I see it, and it's it's a very different app in that it has the potential to catapult you in front of so many people that have never seen you before, um, and that's that's why I in, invest my time in it, even though it is 
frustrating and sometimes very cringeworthy what I see on there for sure. Um, but I yeah, mean, it's important. Do you, do you like post and ghost? Are you like, do you have to, do you have to interact to get the algorithm to look at you favorably? You know, the TikTok algorithm has changed a lot over the course of the past two years. And I, I always say this to anybody who will listen, but when I went to open my gym along with with Tim and the rest of the crew here, we all were kind of recognizable faces on on TikTok. Um, and we started to post less and less because we were more involved with the business. And it has changed so much over the course of those past two years. So when I got here to Austin, to it, it'll be two years uh, next month. When I got here to Austin to open the gym, I could probably tell you that like you had to post like five or six times a day and you had to interact with the comments in uh, on there. Like you had to try to get people to interact with your stuff. Nowadays it is completely different. And there's people that have soared like soared way higher as far as like their reach goes, um, at least in the the fitness community on there. I still I would still argue there's there's not really um, nearly as many like super popular powerlifters on there. Gavin's a good example. He I, I, he doesn't post nearly as often uh, anymore. And I, I think that these days the TikTok algorithm doesn't reward people as much for post frequency. I think that it's more about post quality um, and total watch time. So if you're somebody who wants to to expand your reach on that particular app, that would be my best advice: is focus on the quality of the posts um, and focus on. Uh, you know, actually making something that will hook somebody's attention rather than just making content for the sake of content. Dude, what the hell is going on with Joy uh, ridden flesh from the 69 kilo junior? She's 19. She's in PA. She's absolutely destroying TikTok, Instagram, everything, my friend. Talking to her in DMs and she's got like more plans. I, I won't let, I'll let her announce, but um like I met her at Junior Worlds and she's like I had her on the podcast too, but she is incredibly ambitious. And her, her like what the hell? Let me take a look at her TikTok right now. Yeah. I it's mean it's, you, without so, having met her, um, and while you while you look that up, without having met her, yeah. I can say the other major advantage to TikTok is that it spreads to other social media very well. They they are not shy about the promotion of posts that may have the word Instagram or may have the word YouTube in them. They, they, they usually won't get as much traction, but they'll still garner you enough attention that that following will spread. I would argue my Instagram following, I would say close to half of it came from TikTok for sure. Um, when I was at the the height of my powers, um, you know, trying to, trying to dedicate more time to that because it's important for the business, but Yeah. Um, I want to talk. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the gym as well. Um, but joy is 2.1 million on TikTok. And when I spoke to her in 2022 junior worlds, which is August, we're not a year. We're not a year yet. She was at like 20,000 followers. And I remember I was commentating the junior worlds with Gavin. Gavin flew in as my co-commentator and gosh, that was, that was crazy. But anyways, um, I mean, everyone was there like Nick Manders, Sean Jin, and like, you know, there was a ton of people there. And I remember introducing joy to Gavin and talking to joy. I seen, I could like, I get a vibe when people are trying to do something. I can tell this person's trying to make moves. And when you've been around long enough and you've seen people come, seen people go, but you see certain people are like, there's something there. 
again, kind of doubling back to when I said perk, where you have a contender on the rise and they start beating their chest. You're like, this guy's different. I'm going to pay attention to this kid. I can also sense at times, and I'm sure other people can as well, where you get a vibe, this person, not just from an athletic standpoint, but the way they're making moves right now, they are incredibly ambitious and they're learning quick. And you can tell. And Joey was freaking maybe 18 at the time. She must have been 18. She's 19 now. And but I knew, I remember telling Gavin, she's got like, Gavin's like, how many followers does she have? And Gavin's got like, oh, like hundreds, right? Hundreds of thousands. And um, I'm like, I don't know, like 20, but and he's like, oh, that's not bad. And I could tell he's kind of like, all right, like we'll see because a lot of people have that. And I'm, I was like, nah, but man, something's going to pop here. She's trying to figure things out. And I talked to her a little bit and the way, when I was talking to Joy, the way she was talking, she was saying like, she very thoughtful, everything you said, she was very thoughtful with it. I was like, help me out a little bit. Cause I'm, I'm struggling with TikTok, and I'm see, I can see you're trying to do something here. And the way she was breaking it down, the algorithm and paying attention to how al algorithms work and how like working your content to meet the algorithm, but also like working your content. And she was, she was dissecting it and looking at it at a way that, you know, most of us probably won't anyways. And I remember thinking like, she's going to make some moves. I got a feeling she's going to make some moves. Freaking dude, a year later from 20,000 to 1.2 million. And when she posts, it's like, like when powerlifting America reposts or posts her, everything goes up. Like everybody's like, Oh hell, hell yeah. You know, like she's, it's crazy how she's emerged. Um, yeah. You don't know who's going to be stars pop out out of nowhere, man. In a year. That's what TikTok can do for you. Yeah. And you know, here's, here's ultimately what I'll say on social. I mean, you can ask whatever, but I believe that when it comes to social media, um, obviously I am a, a coach, but I believe that social media, when it comes to the sport of powerlifting, um, and to just getting good information out there, you almost have a responsibility to, to do that. You know, you, you have a responsibility to put your, your effort into that. It is my goal with my social media to take our sport and expose it to as many people as I can, because it has given me so much. It's given me a career, uh, and you know, the ability to teach people about something that I love, which was always my professional ambition was to in some way, be able to, to pass on knowledge to other people. And luckily enough, I've been able to, to do it in this, this cool sport that we have. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, when it comes to, to joy or any other creator that is, is in that space, um, I just think we have a responsibility to, to take the opportunity that we've been given and, and run with it to be ambitious as you've, as you've said. Um, I, I more than anything, I, I want, people to, obviously I want my, my athletes to, to succeed. I want game day to succeed. Um, but I, I really do know in my heart of hearts that I want to be able to get more people into being strong and believing that they can do it naturally. Cause that's the, that's the other thing that I, I don't love on TikTok is that there's a lot of people that are on stuff that are very popular. And a lot of those young kids that are seeing that are like, okay, well, clearly I got to hop on stuff to be any good in the gym. It's just like, well, no, there's all these, these, all these really strong people out there that are not on stuff, you know? So I, I, that's, that's ultimately what I want to do. And as far as like ambitions go, yeah, of course I want to be able to center my, my company around that. That's, I know it sounds weird, but this, this logo is all about progress. It's, it's meant to be a, uh, 
an off-sized pillar. And part of that is the progress and promotion of strength to all. So that's where that comes from. And yeah, it is. You can leave, look at it. We kind of come full circle here, but you can also leave your mark just like the, the people from previous generations. I mean, obviously Candido and Lane Norton are still are, but you will make those impressions. And to do so, yeah, you got to think outside the box sometimes. And you might have to, if if you hop on TikTok and you're like, I could do this, then do this, then rock and roll through it. And what Lane and Candido did before is what people like Joey are doing now. I don't know how many people are getting converted, but 1.2 million people is crazy. That's crazy. In a year. I don't know where she's going to be at in two to three years, but holy smokes, it's pretty crazy. Um, in, in I was talking to her when she was on the podcast and I'm like, how are you handling this? Because you're most people like Lane Norton was talking about how it was like step by step, but like first season chat forums, just talking on chat, like bodybuilding.com chat forums and doing disseminating information like that. Kind of like you, he wanted to disseminate information. He was more on the nutrition focus, but the same at heart thing. How do I reach people? And my biggest motivation is I want to get good information out there because especially nutrition is so much crap information, so much baloney out there. And he's like, I got to find my way. He's in chat forums. He's releasing videos, uh, working with bodybuilding.com. And then you progress, but it was slow bumps. He's like the, the big bumps came way later in his career when he's on Rogan or he's on Andrew Huberman, which is a massive podcast as well. Um, who's also on Rogan and all these other podcasts. And so he would see big bumps then, but for joy to be 18 and just, she would wake up and be like, I just gained like another 50,000 followers today, today, not this, not this month, not no today. I'm 50,000 followers more tomorrow. I'll be 50,000 followers more in a year. I'll be oh, over a million more. It's just crazy. It's uh, and she's 18. I don't know, man. When I was 18, I wouldn't be able to handle it. God bless. She's doing well. Hats off to her. But it's um it's it's a big, I don't know. It's so crazy this can happen right now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the era that we live in with short form content being the norm. Um, because of how easy it is to view something and how easy it is for that person to then share it to other people. You, you just, you never know. Um, I recall the, the thing that pushed me into the like, you know, upper echelons of where my following is today was one video. One. Really? Yeah. It was me. There was there. I remember, I remember the morning of it. Uh, I had just left the gym and some person was like making fun of it. Cause you, you know how it is with coaches that aren't as strong as the athletes that they, they work with, you know, from, from the, the, the randoms that, don't know any better. They'll just be like, well, you, you can't lift as much as that person. So you shouldn't be coaching them. And, you know, so I, I think I had posted something in response to a comment being like, Hey, I, you know, I can, I can deadlift 600. And the person like put some kind of smack talk comment. And I was just like, okay, you know what? I think you, you forgot that I coach all these really strong people. And I had videos behind me playing of some of my strongest athletes at the time doing crazy stuff. And whatever that was that people just, people just had, you know, some kind of, some kind of connection to it. They were like, all right, that makes sense. You, I see that you, that you have worked with all these super strong people. Let me give you a follow. And before I knew it, that video had a million views. 
And Holy shit, man. Yeah, it, there's there's multiple videos that I've put up at this point that have grossed over a million views, even recently, which is super cool. And again, that's why I say the, the algorithms changed a little bit because back in the day on TikTok, if you had a video go that viral, you gain hundreds of thousands. I, I, I think I gained 100,000 followers from that single video. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Now, and that doesn't really happen quite as much. Like I, I had a video go, go that high recently. I think, it, I think it just passed 2 million the other day. And I, you know, I've maybe, maybe gained like 10,000, 20,000 people from that. So it's, it's definitely a different game, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the nature of, of the type of content that we live in when it comes to social media these days. And all this stuff fascinates me before I was going to be, before Bryce gave me my job at the strength athlete, I didn't know that I was for sure going to get it. Um, I was looking at master's degree programs in social media. So all this stuff with algorithms and stuff like that absolutely fascinates me. Um, And I I love like in my little free time that I have to, to look into this stuff. Um, So yeah, it's, it's just, it's the nature of, of the world that we live in when it comes to content now is, is things can, it's harder for sure for things to go viral, but if you know what you're doing and if you're, you know, you know, analyzing everything to the the best of your ability, and you can see the patterns. You absolutely can just blow up, and I'm I'm sure that's what happened with Joy. From everything that you're telling me secondhand, it sounds like she knew exactly what she's doing. She's like a little Mr. Beast. Yeah, you know that's what she. That's the impression I got when I was talking to her. And um, like, so on the on the live stream, I was referring to her like TikTok star. And, um, and she's like, you know, like I had like 20,000, I had no idea this, that was small time potatoes to what was going to happen. You were 100% right. If when you were saying TikTok is like 15 years ago, social media where they just don't know they're so far behind in terms of fitness that that is actually needs to be articulated and explained. Like nobody in powerlifting isn't already aware that coaches are almost never as strong as our clients now. Like that's, that's like insane that they don't know this. Like that's news. Like this is, this is like goes without saying, like we all, when I hear somebody's coach, I'm almost never like, well, he's going to be huge and jacked. And no, it's, it's f- from Jason Trombley to Steve DeNovi to whoever, like, you know what I mean? Like they're, whatever muscular guys you're a muscular guy strong guy by any means i throw you in a gym you're gonna be stronger 99 of but compared to like these elite level athletes who are you know perk you know who's a 75 doing whatever the hell like i can't believe people don't know this that people aren't like like a keenan you know if someone saw you and keenan side by side but for them that's weird for me it's like goes without saying and it's been going on without saying for so long that is probably why a lot of people, when they go into TikTok, it's like too difficult to relate to, and maybe even don't have the patience to be like, I don't have the patience to double back, double back fifteen years and explain quite that far back, quite you know what I mean, that like how to properly put on a wrist wrap. But if you're, if you don't mind it, and you're like, and you see a bigger picture where you're like, look at this is, I mean, a yes, it's going to be lovely for your business. This is marketing. This is marketing. And also you're paying it forward. And some 15 year old, 16 year old is watching. It doesn't know it needs to learn. <laughs> and this is where they're learning. Yeah. I mean, TikTok is, is I still, I believe still the most used social media app at the, at this point, as far as pure number of users. So, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, to me, an investment in the future of our sport. Um, and I, I, I honestly, I wish that some of the powerlifting federations would, would listen to me on that and go even further. Um, like TikTok has a very, very useful live stream feature, uh, that you can, you can stream from a computer. There is no reason that USAPL nationals shouldn't be streamed on TikTok. There's no reason that IPF worlds should not be streamed on TikTok. It should be, um, you know, I, I, like I, you're familiar with, uh, with Ninja, right? The, yeah, the streamer, the, the story that I always, always tell when it comes to streaming things on social media, Ninja made the really smart move to just say, I'm no longer an exclusive person. I'm going to stream on everything at once. Never been doing better numbers than he is right now. I, I think that it should be the exact same when it comes to powerlifting. I think that we should be, instead of just being like, oh, the stream's only on you know, the Olympic channel, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's amazing that, that the IPF had that opportunity. That's fantastic. But instead of it just being there or on good lift, it should be, it should be in those places. It should be on TikTok live. It should be Instagram live. It should be YouTube all at once because the more live streams that are open, the more of a chance that somebody who has never seen powerlifting before is going to click on that and be like, Oh, look at this. And boom, our mm -hmm. community expands by another person. That's, that's just my, my sort of hot take. And again, that's also coming from, like I said before, I think powerlifting is very much like a, like how the esports community was a few years ago as, as somebody who was involved in that a lot as a, as a teenager. Um, that's very much how that community was like. And then you see the popularity that they have today because of how they've, yeah. they've evolved. I think that we should look to the esports community and say like, what have they done that has paved this way that has made the sport more popular? So that's, I don't know. Yeah. When it comes to, to live streaming, I think that that's probably the most underutilized tool right now is, is the live streaming on these, these non-traditional live streaming apps. Interesting, my man. I'm going to be having some conversations in the background. So you're right. Yeah. We've got to make it happen. I'm also going to be asking Joy, help me out. What's going on here? What, what, what have we got to do? I mean, honestly, I might have to hit her up too. Because don't get me wrong, my my following's growing, but not nearly at the pace that hers is. So, rig. Uh, but yeah, but a lot of people now can like afford videographers and the whole nine, and they have. Um, I have one. You know, there you go. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, talking to like most people, Russ, Penna, you know, all of them have people who are do it for them. Chop it up. The videos look absolutely gold, and that's what's going to move. As opposed to just a straight up static, especially on TikTok, there's an expectation level now of some video on it, like edits and stuff like that. It's it's different. It's a different ball game. So tell me about the gym, man. How did this come about? And my freaking God, of all the endeavors, my friend, you got a lot on your plate, but they say the most risky, stressful businesses is opening a restaurant in a gym. And... um I'm surprised you don't got a restaurant on the go. You're like, ah, you know what? I just opened a restaurant as well. <laughs> you know, it, it, in terms of things on my bucket list, you know, maybe, maybe investing in one. I don't know if I would ever have had. Oh, geez. Pay. You are, you are a high risk man, but it's probably yeah. rewarding on its own right though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as far as the gym, um, so my business partner, Tim Thibodeau, who you, you might know, um, so Tim was one of the sort of like OG fitness YouTubers back in the day. I actually used to watch him in college. Um, 
he uh, he was kind of part of the era of like your, your Christian Guzmans, your, your Matt Ogus, if you're familiar with any of those names. That era is where Max Tuning, um, that's where the era that, that Tim was from. Um, so Tim has always been a friend. Um, he, he and I would see each other at powerlifting meets. And during uh, COVID, I was watching his uh, live stream. He was live streaming his workouts on Twitch. And he was talking about how he wanted to move to Austin to open a gym because he couldn't find a space in New Jersey. He had originally wanted to do it in Jersey where he was from. And I sat there thinking to myself, because I was already planning on moving here to Austin. Um, I was in San Diego at the time. Love San Diego. Beautiful place. Too expensive. Just far too expensive. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, um, so I was just like, you know, I've never really, I've never really thought about it before, but wouldn't that be cool? And I knew, I knew at the time because I was really starting to gain traction on TikTok, and a lot of people were hitting me up individually. I knew at the time that it was time to make the move to leave the strength athlete. So I, I, I knew that I had a chance here to create my own brand. And so I got Tim on a zoom call, like we're on right now. And we just started brainstorming. And before I knew it, we were all moving here to Austin to, to open the gym. We got Ricky on board. We got Nico Flores. Um, and we actually have uh, my, my roommate as well. His name's Andrew Tran. He's, uh, he's also a great powerlifting coach in his own right. You're going to know that name here soon. Um, but he's, he's also our general manager. So all of us came down here to Austin and we started renovating. We renovated the whole place ourselves and, uh, Game days become a little bit of a little bit of a powerlifting mecca. Um, I believe I, I can't say this for sure. I believe we have the most combo racks of any gym worldwide. What? I can say for sure in America we have the most combo racks. By far, we have fourteen um, and fourteen oh sets, gosh. fourteen sets of Alco plates and power bars to go with it. Um, Holy smokes, man! Yeah. So we, we have, we have the most uh, of any, and, and I, I don't know, that was, that was kind of always part of the original vision. Now, what we're working on now is trying to make it the best gym in Austin period. Um, and there's a lot of great gyms here. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we, we want anybody who gets off the plane here in Austin to want to, you know, tick off coming to game day as, as, as part of their Austin bucket list. Um, so that's, that's, that's where the business is now. We're really uh, expanding into weightlifting a little bit more. Um, we have, Again, the, I think the the most or second most weightlifting platforms of any gym in the Austin area. We have a couple of members of Team USA that come there to train. It's it's really cool, um, and we're also obviously expanding the the bodybuilding side. I I retired from competitive powerlifting a few months ago because one I just oh yeah I yeah I did read that I read that yeah yeah um, one I'm nowhere nearly as gifted as a lot of my athletes are. And I was spending a lot of time for marginal gains, but two, I believe my, my role in this world is more so in the coaching side, as well as the entrepreneurial side. Um, so I want to dedicate more time to that, but as a result, I've taken up bodybuilding and, uh, I want, I want our gym to be the best bodybuilding gym in, in Austin, but the, the, the gym was always meant to be just one component though. Our, our goal is to be able to promote you know lifting and, and strength in as many ways as we possibly can so we we host meets there we um, obviously post social media content we use it as sort of a, a content hub of of sorts um 
and we of course have a, a team of online coaches that I, I head up and we have a lot of very, very gifted people on all the rosters of the the coaches. I'm sure, you know, you know, Daniel Clements, he, he's, yeah, he's coached by Matt Holden. Who's our, who's our coaching director. He's sort of my second in command. Um, a lot of really, really, really strong guys. We have, uh, we have Avi uh, Lewis. She's one of our coaches. Um, I'm, I'm sure you got to know who Avi is. She's, she's really up right. and coming uh, in the, yeah, in the USAPL yeah. right now. She won the Arnold. I helped, I helped handle her at the Arnold. Um, so yeah, we got some really talented, really talented people. And we got some, some real cool things coming as far as uh, the expansion of our, our coaching program where we're working on an app right now. And we've got a, a lot of, a lot of plans as far as the, the overall business goes. Um, but as far as running the gym goes, we're, we're floating at about 350 members right now. The goal for this space is to try to get to uh, 500. Um, we have a 13,000 square foot space that is open 24 seven. Um, and that's for everybody, not just our members. So if you, again, if you step off the plane and you want to get a workout at 3am, you can go on our website and you can get a, a guest pass. Yeah. And again, everything is comp spec. So not only do we have all the, all the platform, like we have literally down to the carpet that you would expect to have. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty sweet gig overall. Um, and again, we, we, just seem to attract some of the best lifters. We have we have several high level lifters that come in. We when PLA Nats happened, um, you know, we had a, a lot of the people that were doing their taper sessions that came in. Uh, Jesus has been to the gym multiple times. He squatted a thousand in our gym. Um, you know, we we even uh, had uh, had uh, Jess Bittner when she came down because she's a she's a rascal athlete. And uh, the other thing that Tim's Tim's other job because obviously coaching is my job. Tim's other job is that he heads up uh, Rascal Apparel for Omar Isaf. Um So mm. yeah, anytime anytime any of the the lifters are in town for for shoots or anything like that, where do you think they're training? Our gym. It's pretty right. cool. Yeah, it's um it's funny because like back in the day, I remember when it first started happening people started recognizing powerlifting gyms. Previous, everyone was all over the place. Like this is again, a back in the day type of, I mean, when we say back in the day, 2014, 15, 16, 17, and then around 2018, 19, around when we started meeting each other, you started recognizing what gym people were at. Oh, I recognize when, because in the videos, Instagram, taught us what gyms you were at. And sometimes people started being at the same gyms, but it was before we started having people started opening up their own special powerlifting gyms. And now the, the people while still young in their primes, like previously powerlifting gym or sorry, just gym owners period, but like older guys who just straight up have a gym, you might have some powerlifting equipment in the back and that's where you would powerlift. But there was no such thing as like powerlifting only gyms or very few of them anyways. Powerlifting wasn't that big. Also different climate. Now you got, we have like gyms popping up all over the place. What the hell is going on in Texas, man? Texas yeah. is a huge powerlifting hotbed. Oh, it's it's a it's a high school sport here. I don't know if you you know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah um, it's it's crazy. The kids you see walk in the door. Um, my client, my client Chase, he's 16, and he started powerlifting like a year ago, and he already totals like 740 as a lightweight 82. Like that's just nuts. You have the strongest powerlifter of all time. He's just Oliveira's there. Like the strongest powerlifter of all time ever tested on tested, whatever hails from Texas. But the amount of people from Texas is insane. When people like 
yeah, people like gravitate towards Texas. It just is. I don't know what happened, man, but Texas has claimed powerlifting in a, in a major way. And, um, and yeah, we see more and more of these gyms popping up and it's, I mean, it's gotta be a lot of work. I think I, I bumped in you at PA Nats and I was like, how you doing? You're like, dog, I am tired, man. I'm working hard. It's, it's a lot of freaking. you're, you're an ambit. You're one of those ambitious young people who are like all over social media. Obviously you're running your own company or an entrepreneur, but when you're an entrepreneur, man, sometimes you don't sleep. Something's got to be done. It's you who's going to do it. If something's got to be fixed, it's you who's got to fix it. It's, it is what it is. You, it is freaking tough, man. You must be working like crazy hours. Yeah. I mean, okay. So here's, here's what I'll, I'll say, Ryan, because obviously I, prior to this, my entire professional career has been online and being the, you know, the, the co-owner of a, of a business, um, and also trying to manage powerlifting coaching, manage social media. Uh, I'll be the first one to tell you these last two years has been super trying. And I would, I would be lying to you if I said that I haven't made a lot of mistakes along the way and balancing everything balance doesn't exist. It, it doesn't. Um, and sleep is, is for the week. If I'm being honest, um, <laughs> it just is, it just is, uh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going super bald at this point because of how much stress I've been under. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, this whole process of, of owning a business and taking that stuff to the next level and still being on my stuff. Um, it is hard and it, it continues to be hard. And it's something that I am working on mastering. And I think that a lot of people who outside looking in, see like all the success and highlights of, of different things when it comes to entrepreneurship, a, a lot of those, those people, when you talk to them, they won't tell you about that. I, I will be the first one to tell you that this has been a two years full of many, many mistakes that have ultimately led to learning opportunities. And that's why myself and the people around me are where they are today. And I think that we're going to continue to make mistakes and I think that that's ultimately going to be what betters my company and hopefully by extension betters the sport of powerlifting. Because again, that was one of the principles by which we founded this company on was that that never ending task of trying to expose more people to this amazing sport, expose people to hard training, you know, just give people the opportunity to be, be better. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't sleep. I just don't. Um, I, I, I have a, like, I have a girlfriend and I, I see her like every couple of weeks and that's it. That's my free time. Um, I really don't do much else. I, I literally just, I work cause I have a million different hats that I wear. And, uh, if Tim and I just had a meeting about the direction of the company and if everything that we discussed comes to fruition, it's only going to get harder. It's funny because you know, when you, you talk about making mistakes, you'll never figure it out. You'll always make mistakes. This is what, this is what people sometimes don't understand. They think when they see these super successful business people, like, oh, they figured it out. They, they don't a, they think they don't procrastinate or they don't, you know, forget meetings or forget to get somebody back when they were supposed to, or they don't, I'm going to tell you right now. So my, my day job is, is I'm an account manager, project manager, and I've been whatever you deal with different people at different levels. I can tell you right now, it never stops. There's always learning. You'll always other people around you. You'll, it just, you see it. 
you're it's never going to not be that you'll always have to be plugging holes your whole life you just get better and better at it but just when you got figured out things change again and then things change again in life itself your environment never stays stagnant so just when you think you're perfecting everything another meeting okay now we got to we got to get on tiktok or we got to whatever or just when you think you're perfecting someone something okay well we're actually we're going to move to another location as well we got a whole another bag right there so we're doing another location or we're expanding or we're taking on this program now or we're, it'll never stop you're always 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 figuring things out it's more the best you can hope for is not making like the same mistake over and over and um and learning that way being like all right well i'm going to have to tighten up in terms of whatever the hell it was right but another thing you notice is uh, the people around you. You need a team. And sometimes the team you build around you is a big thing. The quickest people jumping in might not be the people you end up with. But that's also part of it. And God bless. Look at In my day, have I been a part of projects that I probably didn't see all the way through? I'm sure, dog. I'm in my 40s now. I'm sure when you, if you caught me in my early 20s, I don't know what the hell, I can't remember everything now, but I'm sure, man. You end up finding your thing. I found my thing and here we are and I haven't stopped pushing. And King of Lifts has had several different people come and go, but it's always been me. And, and it is what it is. That's great. But that's not to be uppity that I haven't myself probably been involved in someone else's project been uber in and then i just don't want to be in there anymore my vision's going somewhere else or whatever but you learn that you learn that when you start having projects as well everything your team your team is everything and then if you try to like take things on you have to be able to rely on people and disseminate information and also what's the word i'm looking for when you give someone else jobs to do delegate sorry delegate you delegate. have to delegate. You have to have to have to delegate. Nine. I was actually talking to Gavin. It's always funny when you're talking to like a guy much younger, but he's like, you got a delegation problem. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to hire this person, do that, that person, do this and delegate it. And he's like, you have a delegation problem right now. You have too many things on the go. I'm like, you're right. I'm trying to do too much. I'm trying to learn this. He's like, I could teach you this. I could teach you that. It's going to be a lot easier. And your time is much better spent doing what you're doing. And you pay someone else to do that shit. It doesn't make sense. There's only so many time in the day. You need to delegate this. But frick, he's right. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. I mean, if uh, you want to talk mistakes, that would be mistake number one. That I uh, honestly, like you, you said, don't keep making the same mistake twice. Unfortunately, I have made that mistake several times over these I years. I have too. I have too, if I'm honest. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it luckily, luckily, I, I it, Partially through accident, partially on purpose, we have built a really, really good team here. The team of coaches, I think, is super talented. In fact, I can comfortably say we're, we're getting ready to hire some new ones. So if anybody's interested in becoming a, a powerlifting coach with game day, we're going to be putting that out soon. Um, the team of coaches is super talented, and I'm lucky to be able to help, again, pass on my knowledge as well as have Matt pass on his knowledge to to these these individuals that we have on the team. Um, and then as far as running the gym goes, like, uh, like I said, Andrew, my roommate is our general manager. He does a fantastic job keeping the, the front desk staff, uh, you know, on things and it gives me room to do other things. It gives Tim room to do other things. We also have a, a wonderful, um, I guess board would be the, the right term. We've got, you know, we've got 
Um, you know, I, I feel, I fulfill the CEO role. Tim's our CFO. Um, we have a, a, a strategy guy who's in charge of, of advertising. Um, you know, we've got, got a couple people on media. Like it's, it's, it's been cool for that to go from just, you know, us being this little ragtag group that has no idea what they're doing to, you know, now being in this position where we can afford to hire people and, and give people jobs. And, uh, you know, again, just be this, this company that fulfills a need that, was the thing before, like, you know, all these, all these super strong lifters that, that come down from all over the place. There are people that have flown across the country. In fact, we had an, an open gym a few weeks ago that uh, a couple showed up that had just gotten married the day before they got married in Austin oh and they were like, yeah, we want to catch a workout before we head off on, on the honeymoon. And we heard about this place, oh and it, you know? So it's just like, it, it's, it's super cool. The, the whole, the whole, just dynamic of, of running a business. Well, probably the most stressful thing that anybody could ever do. Um, at least I would argue that it's, it's so, it's so cool. It's so rewarding. And, uh, I think, I think that at the more that we all kind of, you know, learn from our mistakes and, and get our shit together over time, it's, it's going to be continue to be a, a huge blast. I, I don't know. I I'm super excited for, for the future. And I, I, I don't know how I ended up in this position, but I'm, I'm super thankful. It's, it's such a cool, cool life that I'm getting to live right now. Yeah. It's funny. So Joe Rogan talks about this. He's like, when I was younger, I just assumed everybody had their, everyone who was an adult was all on their shit, had all their shit together. And I would see them and be like, this businessman, he knows exactly what he's doing. Business lady and all the rest of it. And then, um, he was waiting in line somewhere. He was early 20s. And someone goes, excuse me, sir, you're next. He goes, sir. he's waiting. Sir. And he looked up. He's like, oh, shit. I'm sir. She's talking to me. I'm an adult. And he's like, holy shit. And then he realized that as you get older, you realize like, it's always struggled. There's always going to be stress. There's always going to be, it keeps going. You start appreciating what you have, you start appreciating how far you come. You start appreciating, but you realize it's always going to be a scrap. You're always scrapping together. You're always learning more and more. You're always fighting for time. You're always, always, it never ends right up until the end. You think you don't want it to be that way. You need some stress. Stress is good. It's going to make you keep growing, make you keep getting better, make you keep moving. A competitor moves in. Now you're not dragging your feet. Now you're moving a little harder. How more? How much more can you hustle? It got tough. Some people jump off. Good, 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 good. Solidify your team. It's not the worst thing in the world. These, You think you don't want this, but when you retire, you're going to be like, what am I doing with my day? You're going to be worried about your groceries and the discounts they had because you have nothing else to worry about. You, those people, those old people aren't crazy. This guy, nothing else, man. They used to be in those situations and, and they miss it, <laughs> right? It's it's a weird thing. Yeah, I I will say, I don't think that I will be the person that works forever. Um, I, I'm a big family guy. Uh, and I know that I, I know that I want to start one and I know that I want to spend more time with my, my current family. Um, I'm, I'm the only one of, I'm the oldest of six kids and I'm the only one who has moved away from home and I, I don't see my family nearly enough. And I, I know that, um, it is, I'm working super hard right now because I want to ambitiously like put myself in a position where 
you know, money doesn't matter. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe some people don't like, like saying that for whatever reason, I will be the first one to tell you that when you open a business, that is always the dream is to be able to put yourself in that position um, and not really have to worry about money so much and be able to spend more time with people and, and living life. And besides just, just wanting to, you know, promote, promote the sport of powerlifting, get, get more people, you know, stronger, fit or whatever. The, the ultimate goal besides that is of course, to be able to have more time with, with my family. Uh, that's, that's, that is, and always will be my, my North star. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm working towards. And that's what ultimately mo- motivates me the most. I hope you get there. How old are you? I'm uh, I'm 28. I'm going to be 29 in December. Dog, you're young. Yes. Tell that's you tell got... that's my tell that's my hairline, bro. Don't boogie, don't worry about it. You got hats. You shave your head like your boy. You'll be fine. Twenty eight, dude. Frick, how young were you when we met? Let's see. That was what twenty eighteen. So five years ago. So I was I was twenty three. You were a kid. Listen, you you were always had a way of presenting yourself. Like you're always mature. You always, you carry yourself in a mature professional way. Like Thank when you. I met you, I, th- I, th- I remember getting that impression. And I also remember this is 2018 and it was like, I forget what session we did together. And you showed up and were the most prepared I'd ever seen anybody show up as a co-commentator for a session. And I remember I was like extremely impressed and you were ambitious back then and you wanted to be involved. And I'm like this again, doubling back when you see something in somebody i knew you weren't just going to be a flash in the pan guy you showed up at worlds and you wanted to be a part and start doing things and you made an impression and um and you were crazy prepared for it and you were 23 man i mean you you said yes so i was like i might as well just be 11 out of 10 ready um you were 11 out of 10 man it's true you don't know what's gonna you got in where you fit in too. Like it was kind of like you were open, whatever. Let's let's rock and roll. And you were you were loose on the mic, man. You 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 weren't like nervous. You weren't have you done a lot of commentary since? Cause you should. Yeah, as far as commentary goes, um, I've been in the booth a couple of times with like uh with Fortino once or twice. Um, but as far as like meat commentary goes, no. Um I, I I've always been comfortable in front of people. I I grew up doing uh theater. So I, I did, mm. I did, I did musicals, I did plays. Um, and that has kind of always helped my speaking in front of people, speaking to people, uh, you know, being in front of a camera, whatever. Um, it, I don't know. It's just kind of always come semi-naturally to me. Not, not that I don't get nervous or anything like that. I certainly do, but yeah, that's, that's probably what prepared me for that the most. It's um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It terms like getting nervous. I don't know if I get straight up nervous, but I feel it. I feel it. I don't know if it's nerves or what it is. I remember like way back in the day when I first started podcasting, before I did a podcast, I would be nervous. And now it's like, I've done so many freaking podcasts for like 2016. So for so freaking long, for the better part of a decade. That it's like freaking 
I don't know, it's a conversation. I look forward to having a conversation with you. Like when you're coming on and I've known you for years, I'm like, I look forward to catch. Let's let's catch up with Joe. Let's, we got so much to talk about. I mean, dog, we're moving in on two and a half hours, by the way. This is your, your two and a half hour mark, just to give you a heads up. But dog, we can talk. I don't have a hard time talking and having conversations with people. So you, you also build a confidence with uh, your ability to have conversations. But commentary is a little different because it's live. And you do a flub, it's it's there forever. Like, I've never swore, but that is the biggest nightmare if you're on like like a Eurosport. YouTube's not as bad, but that would be the, oh my God, Ryan, what did you do? Holy smokes, you know you're going to get an email. Like, you won't even get an email. You can pull the side right there, but somebody else is going to get an email. And they're like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if I get, there, nervousness isn't bad though. It lets you know that like you're in the middle of something. This is yeah. this is this means something. This is a moment. I recall uh I recall our our good friend Lane Norton describing nervousness as the the feeling of being alive because you uh you know you care about what you're doing. And I think that's a good way to good way to put it. Well it, if you some people like run away from those moments and do their Joe nine to five jobs. Hey. Go home, watch TV. Can you believe it? Go home, watch TV, and just chill and avoid those. Because like, if they start feeling nervous, if, if a project comes and be like, you're going to have to talk in front of people, or you're going to have to be on the air with thousands of people listening, or you're going to what? They'll just avoid it. And be like, oh, it's not really for me. It's like, my friend, I think you're avoiding life. And when you're older and you look back and those opportunities are not there anymore, you'll be like, damn, I just avoided so much. And a lot of life we're coming to the close of this so we're getting deep we're finally getting there but a lot of life is literally just um trying to even recognize even though you feel nervous about something and feel fear you do it anyways because you know the rewards on the other end and how many of your friends have gone different avenues and you look at them and be like you just never figured that part out and that's why you, you you I think you've missed out on quite a bit because you didn't figure that one piece out. On the other side of you being nervous and afraid is enter enter whatever ventures it is. I don't gotta tell you because my man, you moved to freaking Austin, you opened up a, a gym and you're doing all of these all of these things. But imagine you weren't like that. Imagine you didn't have that feeling in terms of nervous nervousness and fear. You're the same 23-year-old kid who like rolled up on me as like, I want this co-commentary and I want to whatever. And you were like professional. Some of it's the confidence in knowing what you bring to the table and you actually, you come prepared. That helps ease your nerves and you came prepared. You know, it's, that helps everything move a lot smoother and easier when you have that confidence in that. But, um, yeah, hey, I mean, yeah, the prepare, pre prepared, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. That's, that's what I always right. say. It's 100%. And if you're nervous about anything, do it over and over and over. Here's another one. Let, let's let's throw some cliche quotes out there at each other, but it's true. But it's true. Um, beginners do it until they get it right. But if you really want to be no nerves, do it until you can't get it wrong. And that's when you really get confident. In, when I was in, um, I had to, I did a freaking intro in French when I was doing silent worker beat and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, am I going to do this? Should I do this? They won't care. If I do it in English, they won't mind. They won't mind. They'll, they know I'm, I'm English speaking, but I'm like, I'm going to do this in French. 
fuck it. I'm going in French. And then the amount of times I reset that intro in my hotel room, my friend, long after I got it right, I did it over and over and over and over to the point where if I flubbed and I lost my lines or I whatever, I could bring my way back and I could not fall. I, I walked out there, grabbed the mic with hundreds of French people and everyone all lied knowing it's okay. Because even if I flub a line, whatever the shit, I know enough that I can bring myself back. I can't, I can't fumble the bag. I'm good. And that's why I could do it. And that's just like a little, that's, you could blow that for most things in life. If you're really nervous, Worst case scenario, I had a buddy who did a freaking wedding speech. He's like, I didn't want to write it down. One of my buddies said, don't write it down. Just be loose, be loose. So he went up there and tried to give his wedding speech. His last name is Splificky. And everyone at his work made fun of his last name. So he was joking around with them, the groom and the bride, about making fun of his last name. And his joke to the bride was, but you know you actually wanted my last name or whatever. Like, my last name's cool. And then he realized, oh, we're at a fucking wedding. That sounded like I just said, you know, you really wanted to marry me. So then he's like, oh, shit. So then he tried to explain his joke. And everyone's like, oh, my God, nobody thought that, bro. But now we all. And then it's deadpan silent. Everyone's looking at him. And then it's the worst bomb you've ever seen in your life. As he walks off the stage, I'm like, my man, probably should have practiced that one a little bit, huh? <laughs> like that's yeah. that's why you don't want freestyle everything in life man who told you that advice some guy who's never done shit <laughs> yeah i mean i think to bring to bring the conversation back around to powerlifting i think it's a perfect example of of why like our sport is a, a metaphor for life right we do hundreds and hundreds of repetitions over the course of days weeks months in preparation to do nine lifts you know, and you should be, by the time you get to the platform, if, if everything's gone to plan and you and your coach, if you have one, have done everything correctly, it shouldn't be that hard to choose attempts because you've planned well enough that you know, you can't fail. That's, a, that's exactly what, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger said, where he's like, weightlifting taught me if I get enough reps in, I could do, I could do whatever. I just need to get my reps in. I, it's all about repetition whatever the hell it was, I just got to get my reps in. And you're right, man, powerlifting will teach you a lot in terms of discipline, in terms of like what you put in is what you get out. We got numerical values attached and it teaches you that. Um, but yeah, listen, man, two and a half hours. I'm glad we, I'm glad you came back. Let's not wait this long next time. Um, let's talk after, after USAPL Nats in September, because you got some heavy hitters uh, making some appearances and, and let's talk about it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do some, we'll recap some of their performances and the, some of the pathways will be a little more clear afterwards. Maybe we'll know who's going where, what's next. And uh, you could catch us up on everything in terms of game day. Sounds like a plan, man. I, uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this again. I forget how many years it's actually been since I've been on the, on the podcast, but appreciate you having me on. I'm, I appreciate you coming on. It ain't going to be that long for you to come back. I'll tell you that right now. And um, everybody listening, Please do subscribe. Give us high ratings as usual. And until next time, six pack lap it at six up and we are out.